0: Like the perspective. Say
1: hi, Holden. I hold Welcome back to another episode of the Perspective Podcast. It's Podcast. It's Podcast. Me. Podcast. Slitty. Say hi, Holden. Salutations, everybody. Hold Welcome. Perspective. Say hi, Holden. I hold it. Podcast if I look at you while you're talking to I me. mean, that's, you or know, we were, we were just talking about that with the last, you know, we I didn't get to finish what my thoughts on it, but like, it's one of those things where like, if, you know, you had, talk to Barbara Walters, she might have like some old news thing. Nowadays, everything's so informal. I feel like I don't like looking at the camera too much. Like, every once in a while, I engage with, our camera right. but like really primarily for most, for I'm, I'm talking with you yeah. right, so all I'll look that's at you where my focus is you know what I mean so like, yeah, like, yeah. Kind of. but it's up to you you know like Salutations ladies and gentlemen we are back with another episode of the Perspectives podcast we are your host my name is letty Bro Flaco this is Holden Stefan Roy say hi Holden hi Holden right and today we're back with another episode with a special guest, a New York City hip hop veteran, a comic book aficionado, a low life, clearly and evidently, <laughs> and uh, is it a Queens? Queens, your your whole life? Ah, uh, no, no.
2: So I grew up in Manhattan. I grew up on the Upper West Side okay. of Manhattan, a little bit in West Harlem. Um, and I've been after I went to college upstate, and then I was. So
1: to- instead, we would say a New York legend. A new, yeah, a new York yeah, City legend, yeah. New York most City. Yeah, yeah right, right. Uh, double A B.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> we got, oh, got the crowd.
1: We got sound effects. We finally got sound effects. <laughs> finally. So, um, pretty much the way that we start every show is like giving the guests like a little bit of our like history, our back, right? So, like, um, I've been rapping and battling New York City for over. 20 years now you know what I mean um and doing my thing we were I was doing uh my group thing with Jess James Figueroa and Paulie Hustle the the Liddy Bros and we were doing our Liddy Bros volume one we did the album and uh Holden um our engineer shouts to Murker Miyagi from Murker Studios up in Montreal he's the homie and I told Jess when we did that album I was like yo you know Jess clearly, right? Yeah, as as I yeah. I said yeah, the yeah. name, I heard, yeah, I heard yeah. the reaction. Jess, you know, he's a, he's, a, I call him the cheat code, right? Because hmm. he can rap, produce, engineer, editing. graphic design, yeah. video, video editing. Like he does everything, right? Mm-hmm. But when we were doing that project, I told him, I was like, yo, bro, I don't want you doing anything but rapping. I want you to focus completely on rapping. Right. And then when we were doing that, uh, I then had to get the project engineered, got it engineered by Merker Miyagi up in Montreal. He's friends with Merker. He saw that Merker doesn't ever really promote anybody's shit or nobody, you know what I mean? He don't promote nobody's music. He don't promote nobody who he... I tell people that he might as well be from New York because he's got that New York engineer attitude of like, Hey, if I promote one of you motherfuckers, then I gotta promote all you motherfuckers trash. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm. just getting paid to like record you. I'm not co-signing your 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 recordings. But um, he promoted our joint, and then uh, Holden saw it. He uh, checked out the videos. He was like, "Wow, this is pretty entertaining." Uh, I, I like to say that that's what he was thinking. And then uh, and then he did a album review on the on the project, and it was like the most thorough album review I've ever seen. Then we sat down for an interview, and when I did that interview, bro, I felt like I went to therapy because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like all the all these years doing so many interviews, and I was like, "Yo, I've never talked about my fucking childhood." You know, like you talk about you're a rapper, so it's like they don't talk about rap things. Talk right, about these rap right, things right. that you know what I mean. But it's also like, yo, I had a life before I was ever a rapper. You right, know, what I mean? right, and there's man, all sorts me. of cool things that happened in my life before. That, rap you, that led you, to rap. That, that led you to rap. That was saying, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So like having that interview, I was like, yo, you know what? We should do something together. And let me bring my friends to the table. And then it now it's starting to bleed into like friends of friends. You know what I mean? And it's been a two-year journey. We started Correct. out on Zoom, but now we're doing in-person interviews. You know what yeah. I mean?
3: Congrats! Man. Sounds so sounds like a dope. Episode uh, seventy five now.
1: Episode seventy five. Seventy five.
2: That's a good number. You know good, number. Yeah, good number. Yeah. Yeah. Good number. I'm glad okay. to jump in with you guys. Now nah, we're happy man. to have you. Yeah. Super um, happy.
1: So with that in mind, we jump in and we start uh, early, right? Let's start with the cold hard facts. What's your name? What are you known as? Where are you from? And then where are your parents from?
2: Okay. My name is Double A B. Um, I'm Known as a MC, writer, and artist, and visual artist as well. Um, and uh, I'm from New York City, Upper West Side, originally. Um, been in Queens though, like damn near 20 years. So I'm like a a, <laughs> a, a, a year half half. I'm an adoptive Queens I guy, say, guy. I would say I would say
1: I would say at this point you're official Queens. Yeah, queen. yeah. And I my like, wife has been living in. She's from Brooklyn, born and raised. But she's been living in the Bronx with me for eighteen years, man. So now I'm like, nah, you're You're from the Bronx. You're officially ex. You're officially ex. We've
2: stolen you from Brooklyn. And sometimes you you identify or you just become part of your neighborhood. So that's what happened to me and the story you hear. And yeah, my parents, um, my parent, my mom is from Michigan. Um, My pops is from. He grew up all over, but he was mostly Albany, New York. Wow. um they both you know they both were new yorkers at heart though and that same thing they moved they both as soon as they became of age came mutual to new york family. immediately and stayed here forever you know and then they met they met clearly and then here. they met right they met on my old block where i grew up on 90th street that's where they met just 90th. on the street through a mutual friend oh who's that who's that you know introduced right. them Um, you know, they're not together anymore, but they were together like 20 years. So yeah. And that's, that was basically, you know, they were, they were New Yorkers. They came to New York and I also had my great aunt and uncle who were my, uh, on my father's side, my grandmother's older sister and her husband who lived in West Harlem, Morningside Heights. And they were my like second parents and that I would go and stay with them. On the weekends, ever since I was, you know, a tiny kid, my parents would give me away for the weekend and watch them, you know. So they were kind of like even more my role models and my, you know, and my great aunt was like super cool. She lived to be a hundred and smoked oh, trees and so, with me to the to the last day almost. Oh, damn, and so you smoking cheese with a ninety year old? Oh yeah, ninety plus, ninety nine year old. So. So, yeah, so we were, you know, very tight. And my uncle was, was, you know, super legendary dude to boxer, you know, street knockout artist. And, or, you know, he, the old ladies would get their purse stolen in the complex. He'll go out and, and, and get the purse. From, you know, the purse would just show back up, show back up. In, the, in the lobby or a dude would come with, a, with a black eye and an apology note. You know, right. he was that dude. right? So, you know, that was that was my aunt and uncle and they were like you know super cool and so i was either i was either there on 123rd street in broadway or i was at my mom's at 90th and that was you know that was the kind of like birth of uh you know that's that was my young life that's the
1: world i was running those around. are super close areas though yeah like, very that, cult, that's exactly. that you know what i mean like that's like uh uh there's always a debate amongst us uptown people um about, like, where does Harlem start really? Right, right. right? Like, there's technical, right. actual, well, on what the, the city starts. But like, and then, yeah, right. then, like, you leave it up to the, the residents of the city, and it's like, nah, it leaks over more, one more block, or two more blocks, right. you know? It's so, both, it's both at the same time, right. you know? It's
2: like, it's like, uh, you know, it, 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 like the sort of technical block of my aunt's block, a lot of people call it Morningside Heights. Right. Cause one hundred twenty fifth Street is the line, right, but right. if you're gonna walk one block to the train, it's literally one long block away. So it's like that side is Harlem, but you could call that area Harlem as well because, right. like, somebody from out of New York, they people don't even know. Even in New York, Morningside Heights is like a baby knit. It's like not even it, a it, neighborhood. It's, not, it, it's it, like a. It's part it, of the. It's between Upper West and Harlem. It's like Upper West Light Harlem Light. You know, so it's right. like. People know the Upper West. People know Harlem. Those are the ones people know. So right. I, I would usually describe it as Harlem. And yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, If you, you like told
3: me it was Harlem, I would have no,
2: no clue. I'd go on Google Maps and right. I'd be like, eh, that says Harlem. Well, now there's new, it's funny. There's new names that started with the businesses calling, calling it, it's Soha, south of Harlem. It's like, but what is so, there's a place that opened on her block called Max Soha that's like a, uh, an Italian restaurant, you know, a little kind of fine dining eatery. But it's like, what's so hot when it's across the street from Grant Projects? And you know, it, it's it's like a, an intersection south of Harlem. Like across the street is Harlem. So right. it's like you, right. you south of Harlem, word. You so high You you about you so close to not being so high. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know, gentrification.
1: That's what they do, right? Like, yeah, they, yeah. Re-
2: I mean, it's always. The gentrification in the almost New York is like the, the first gentrifying city. Almost, it's like we always had that new people moving in. Let's rename this. Let's knock this building down. for right. something new. New York's all about that rebuilding. Like you know, and it's like big facts. Yeah, yeah. big facts.
1: I was yeah. just so we were just talking about that with our last interview, and uh, we were discussing about how like you know there, and that's a part of New York City. You can what hospital were you born at? I was born in Lenox Hill. Lenox Hill. I was born at Our Lady of Mercy. Our Lady of Mercy is no longer there in the Bronx. Ah, You know what I mean? So it's like you growing up in New York City. There's you were used to the experience of like maybe where you were born, maybe the building that you grew up in, maybe a spot that you used to chill at heavy when you were a little kid is no longer there. Uh, The whole,
2: I mean, the entire. I mean, you talk about like so the Upper West Side where I grew up. My mom's block is like. The world I grew up in is no longer, no longer there. there. It's no like longer. the entire feel yes. of it is is
1: drastically different. You know, but it's because the 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 you know that neighborhood is again right. Like it's the it's damn near the end of the good before at least in their right. eyes, right? right? Right. Before we get right, uptown right. and you get to all of right. Well, the right. It was public. always like
2: it was always a joke. Ninety-sixth Street on a train. You see all the white people get yeah. out, yeah, and then the, and then the next stop is uptown, you know. So like, you know, and I was just in that last stop, but then I always, I always like was a little Harlem centric because I, you know, I had friends from uptown, and and I just kind of started wandering uptown earlier, you know. And then like, I mean,
1: but ninety six is one of those things that like, you know, back in like the nineties, eighties, it wasn't as uh, what is considered down days. Right, right. nowadays? Nowadays is considered just as bougie as right, right. the the rest of right, you know. Right. like it's it's the Upper West Side. Right, right, and this, and is, people, where, this is where people don't understand that that this was is where people like Peter Rosenberg moved to right, when they right, when right, they right. decide to plant roots here and right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is an affluent neighborhood. <laughs> right, right. But uh, it wasn't always like that. It was very different. And very matter, different. Matter of fact, like,
2: you know, I had a lot of people were scared to come to my block specifically because yeah. I was on a block at a plaza, which was, you know, uh, kind of you know rough project in a day. And then we had got a Riverside, another project uh, kind of sandwiching the block. And then you had my building that I grew up in, which was a middle class building and the building across the street from me giant 27 floor middle class buildings built in the 70s right and they were kind of middle of the road sandwiched by the pjs walk one block over to central park west and now you got you know millionaires row and yeah, so we yeah. had rich middle and poor all on the same block but it was it but the streets definitely kind of belonged to the hood back then. And it was kind of like, you know, it was a different New York. Like, you know, 90th Street then was tougher than any block in Harlem now almost, right. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, it, it. so it's it's such a different world. It was just kind of permeated with, with you know, just crime and street shit, but it was also good. It was like yeah, no, that's community what gardens was. and a more of a vibe in the street. Small businesses, you know, my mom's block also turned from, we had literally five or six businesses on each side of the block, 10 businesses on one Mm -hmm. block, and then after a certain year, it became... A Dwayne Reed on one side and Reed, bought the whole block, uh, and then for a while CVS bought the other side, right, and right. they battled until CVS bounced. Yeah. You know, McDonald's
1: so goes up, right? Uh, right? Uh, Starbucks comes, Starbucks,
2: and it's all just you know cookie cutter. Boom, yeah, it's, dropping. It's, in. It's, uh, so hold on, from my
3: understanding, a huge part of this is just there's no more mom and pop shops, and it's all name brand. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. It's all name brand, way bigger spots. So we used to have like a little pharmacy where the guy knew your name. You go mm-hmm. in there. He's like, "Oh, what you got?" But it's little. It's like the size of this room. Is you know, it but it was it's, it was some name RX pharmacy. Right, right. But the farm, phar- but the pharmacist knew everybody in the hood. Everybody he knew, in the neighborhood. He knew what your medications. were. he was more involved with. You know, it was a better service you got. Right, actually. absolutely. He was like a, an extension of your doctor. Absolutely. Way more than your you know current you know, pharmacist. Apparently,
3: that's what a pharmacist is just supposed
2: to, supposed be. to be. Right, right, I, and right, None
3: of us get that experience. None, none of, of us. us. Dude,
2: definitely not in the big pharmacy. I, even now, I try to not use big farm. Ph- I- I'll try to use the little, the little bummy ones, and they're better because the big pharmacies. If you want to pick up a medication, you want to wait on line. On You're like, oh, we got it. We can't fit. Come back in an hour. I go to the little pharmacy. Is nobody in there? I just walk in, bing, give me my shit, bounce,
1: and you know, it's all good. Nowadays, it's very. Um, uh, that's the way the doctors are too. Yeah. like they have so many patients. There's very little, like you know, personal. Almost very like, okay, hurry up. Yeah. What What's wrong with you? What's, what's not? Oh, okay. You know, let me get your blood. All right, get out of here. I'll let you know what the blood work says. The blood work came back fine. You're fine. Yeah. But it's like, ah, uh, am I 100% fine? I'm you know, not- like, how much is the blood work really telling you? You know? Like, are you really, like, doing no, a, my a thorough work, check?
3: Not, not even. No. My, I, I ended up in a situation where I fainted uh, last year, and I went to the ER and shit, and even though it's all free and whatnot, it's the same shit. Because it's free, everybody goes to the hospital. Blood work, this, that, out at the hospital, and then in Quebec, there's this family doctor program. You gotta wait f- four to five years. Oh, yeah. Then you get a doctor who will do more than just the basic blood work, right, and you just got right. to pray that... 'Cause there is no private sector, so good I've fucking. heard of the
2: the waiting times. I, I I'm saying like know, there's like no brutal.
3: so it's like there is no money option, you just wait till you get a doctor and uh that's just what it is. Yeah,
2: there's ups and downs, so that's you know, that way, like you know, waiting sucks.
3: But and that blood work shit, the in and out, it's not real medicine. It's just nah. oh, you don't have anything really fast that can diagnose, so go talk to the next man. Right. So Yeah. We have a typical opening question, but nothing's typical about this in-person thing, so we're learning the new swagger of it all. But uh, basically, it's a bit of a little story, and then it'll kind of get the conversation going. It's kind of in line with what we've been talking about. So it starts off with my girl. She was washing the dishes one time, and uh, she had the Black Eyed Peas song playing That I Got a Feeling. She's vibing, dancing, doing all that. And I just had this thought looking at her like, yo, when the fuck did this song become chores music? Cause like if you think about the song I run it back to like twenty ten and whatnot, this is like middle of the night banger, everybody's drunk and celebrating, you know, it's everybody's favorite song all around the world. And then you run it up till today, and now it's moved from this party celebration song into this like, you know, chores music. I'm feeling kind of bored doing this workout, and I need my brain to go back to the fun times, and right. it's kind of taking on that role in life. And it got me thinking about how music kind of grows and goes on a journey with us, you know, as we do our things. Like, it's a song, so it doesn't change at all, but its purpose in our life evolves so much, and it just kind of got me thinking, you know, all them kids partying right now, they don't even know that that's their future. Like, chores music,
2: that's just how right, it's going right. to be. Your, your your hit song is going to be your chore music later. Facts. Yeah, yeah. yeah like all the kids growing gonna, up to, like, yeah,
1: K-Flock, uh, you know, you <laughs> know, yeah, pop like a... yo later on in your life you gonna yeah, be you gonna be in your crib sweeping them be... up and talking about glop, glop, getting sturdy
3: with the broom <laughs> <laughs> it make it that well.
1: stick is gonna be the broomstick yeah That's exactly
3: it. but um they got me thinking also about the, the being young right like when you're a little one you're also still surrounded by music and shit and there's all these sounds and stuff only there's a good chance that you weren't actually in control of what you were listening to parents had the vibes, the community's got the vibes, the radio's got the vibes, et cetera. Depending on where you are, what time period you're from, et cetera, everything's going to sound and feel completely different. Um, And that just got me realizing that, you know, as musicians and such, music's such an impactful part of our story. But whenever we do in this interviews or we talk about our lives, we always started at that point where we, you know, start rapping or we start having our favorite songs, discounting all that part when we had no control over the music in our lives. So I was hoping you could run us back to being the youngest version of yourself you can remember being up in Harlem, and describe a little bit about what it sounded like to be you before you had any control over the music. Well, I grew up you know,
2: listening to my father, who was an avid music fan, and my aunt and uncle, who were also super avid jazz listeners and vinyl collectors. And they both had the damn, I wish what it was it. I can't even tell you now what brand it was, but they had the giant wood mounted speakers, you know, with the with the, you know, speaker head standing, you know, five feet tall. Mm. My aunt and uncle and my father had the same system, knocking, like, you know right. what I mean? Hooked up through the receiver, you know. And so first it was vinyl, then we got the tape decks later, you know. Um mm-hmm. I can. One of my very first memories and feelings is my father and my mother rocking me on their chest in my living room playing Linda Ronstadt. Linda um, Linda Ronstadt. Super. If you're not up on her, you know. Super. I'm not. Super. Not up on her. Oh, so Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> wow, this is you. Cool. So can I put us. you on. Linda yeah. Ronstadt was like a country pop. Soul star okay. of the '70s and '80s, um,
1: but so like the Taylor Swift of her, kind of, but way more, way more soulful, Of course, of course, way
2: more soulful. Right? So she was like
1: Taylor doesn't have
2: the soulful. Right. She has the pop country, the pop country, right? So this is like Fact. something deeper, right? You know? but but you know, it maybe you know, this yeah, share yeah. some of that lineage. I mean, right? it's just
1: that back then we, it was all more soulful.
2: Right, exactly. So, um, you know, you probably, you might have heard a few of her songs. Like, uh, some of her, she, and she has a couple songs that are covers, like, It's so easy
1: to fall in love, I don't know if you heard that one, or Blue Bayou. What's the song that you remember when they were, had yeah. you on the chest? And- so it's the, I think the
2: album was called Simple Dreams. It has Blue Bayou, Carmelita, which is funny too, because that's a super, like, Country kind of blues song where they're talking about heroin, and you're—it's like Carmelita, hold me tighter. I think I'm going down, and I'm all strung out on heroin on the outskirts of town. And I had no idea what that. It was just like a cool Carmelita. I knew that it was a name, and as a kid, I remember. It wasn't until I was like a teenager and I went back to it because it was something from such a young childhood memory, and I, I got back into it as a teenager. Like, let me put this... You know, I started getting into hip-hop, sampling stuff, and I started going through the old record stash and putting on these records, and I'm like, wait a minute. She was singing about heroin openly, right. and I just... Was, it was so young and innocent to me, I
1: didn't... Yeah, no, we don't know those things. Yeah, we right? don't know. It's when, you like don't, a, when you're young, you don't... Well, well, why, why would a young person know the name Heroin unless... Right, right. Like, things got that yeah. bad. <laughs> unless, I, mean? unless I had the like, Yeah, know, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that was it. So that was a big
2: record for me. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean... And then hit, just being in on the Upper West and in... Harlem and just anywhere in New York City in that era. Yeah. Hip hop was so much in the street that it was breakdancing was like in the street as much as beggars are in the street. You know, it's like something you see all day throughout the entire city. And, and it's just in every schoolyard. And it, it, this is coming out of every boombox. Like, and so it was just kind of the culture of school. You know, I went to, PS84, the public school right outside of my, I looked out the window from the 15th floor down into the schoolyard where I went to school. This was, you could literally hear this, I, my window is the sounds of the schoolyard all day. So you hear that shit coming through your window and it's, you know, then that's what it was, you know, Houdini, um, Beastie Boys, my, one of my first hip hop that my actual first hip hop tape that I got. Um, my first my first piece of music that I owned was a tape also. So my parents had vinyl, then they got a tape deck and when I my first piece of music, my parents gifted me for my birthday. It must have been 6th or 7th birthday was Michael Jackson Thriller on tape bird. Had my name written on the corner in pen so I took <laughs> it to school, you, you know, the kid wouldn't steal it. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so that was, that's what, like, those are my first musical memories, you know? Um, Beatles, you know, my mom was a real big Beatles fan, so she played Sgt. Peppers a lot. We had that on. Vinyl. So that was, they were also into, you know, eclectic things, rock, but a lot, a lot of soul, a lot of jazz, um, you know? Paul Simon, my my father's a big Paul Simon fan, so when Graceland hit, they loved that record. They played it a lot, and that sounds like my childhood. And then, you know, then getting into hip hop, it was Beastie Boys, um, and that's when I was so young that I didn't know what rap was. Right, I was just like, it's funny, and I heard it in camp. You know, I'm in day camp, and everybody's playing it. The counselor's the kid. We all just loved in this album. And it's funny and it's kinda like a little rude, you know, but I, I was too young to realize how rude it was, maybe. Right. And I was just thought it was cool. I was like, it's funny how these guys are not singing. Like this group doesn't really sing, you know? <laughs> but they're singing, but they're not, and right. I didn't even know what, what a rap was. And I had my grandpa it was the first time my grandfather went to buy me something. He went, you know, and he was into like musical theater. He was an actor and and uh. you know, actually he's been in a bunch of movies. Had extra roles, a couple speaking roles and things. And so he was, you know, but he didn't understand at all. You know what I mean? And so he, he got me the album and we played it in the car back. I'm like six years old and his, like, I never seen him so mad. His face turned red, but he didn't even know. He didn't even yell at me, but I could just see him steaming. I was like, what's wrong? Like, <laughs> why are you mad? But yeah, so that was, you know, I would say <laughs> those are my first musical memories, like starting from there. And then, hip-hop it took me a little while so that was I had Beastie Boys and then it took a little few years I still didn't really like I, I kind of liked it and then I started getting into other rappers and I but then I didn't know who was kind of who was uh good not but I started maybe a little before and like I want to say forget what was out of this maybe it was at the same time Hammer was out but a little earlier but I, you know it's like you had like the poppy hammer type of rappers mm-hmm. and then, and I'm like oh this is dope but I don't know and my I had a friend in my building my man guy shout out to my man guy um and so he uh he was like he was like my older brother you know he was into hip hop he used to you know babysit me mm-hmm. and my brother they lived a couple floors yeah, down. Yeah, we all from we all needed right. the, the the person older than us to right. put us on a thing. Especially me, because I had a younger brother, but I didn't have a big bro. Right. So I didn't have nobody to be like, oh, he picked on. I had when my for my little brother, if somebody picked on him, I'd be like, come through like gangbusters the next right. day. Like for for me, I didn't really have anybody. I had guy, but I would not It was a little. I I didn't like to bother anybody with my you know my stuff, but I. That's who I had. That was the closest thing I had. So it was great to just have him there. And, right. and he was the one I asked. And I was like, you know, who's who? Do you think is the best rapper? You know, like he was like Big Daddy Kane. And so I just went. And I think uh it was two. You know, Kane. The the first two Kane albums were already out, and the third one was right about to drop. Mm-hmm. And I just got them. And I, I had once I had all three. I just studied them, and it was like. That just like opened up something in my mind where I just knew I just it some it clicked with me. I guess I was always into words before and wordplay, and actually I was known before. So you want to talk about roots? So in in PS eighty four when I was a kid, before I knew what rap was, but it was just soaking it up. I was like the snap battle king in the in the in the schoolyard because I had long platinum blonde hair and I stuck out like a sore thumb. It was mostly Hispanic, black kids in the school, but a mix, you know, it was, it was white kids, a couple of Asians, but we were definitely a minority and I was definitely food on the schoolyard until a certain right. time, or attempted, you know, so that's how right. I got slick with words before anything. We used to have snap battles and, you know, you just, you know, your shoes, your shirt, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first, maybe that was first playing with wordplay. So by the time I got into rap later, it was like I had already kind of practiced these jokes and being funny and clever. And, and then the music part just blending in was just like, I don't know, very soulful. It hit me hard. And then I just became obsessed with it. And I right. started racking tapes from HM, the HMV on 72nd street. Let, right. let me get it. Right.
1: their lax security. I used to get the HMV on um, 34th, was thirty fourth, it? yeah. All that. 30, I mean,
2: every one of those spots 40th. you could just like they didn't 30, really, yeah. or they would tag up their shits, but they would never beep like. Count out to HMV, man, they definitely, beep. he's definitely, peace definitely to HMV. People
1: like us that help put them out of business. I mean, yeah. the music industry also the whole situation. No, Let's um, what what um, right. Speaking about elementary school uh like what were the what was the obsession right when you were a kid comic books cartoons video games sports like what, what was what yeah. was the what was the where where were so i started out i would say um
2: early it was sports and like the 86 mets with my pops cuz he was a huge mets fan and he was a baseball fan Beautiful. That's but true. then I kind of rejected it early. And, you know, my little brother ended up, he, oh, he was a great baseball player. So he ended up being the baseball guy. But I kind of threw off the sports early. And I kind of, you know, my, my uncle my, taught me boxing when I was a kid. But I, became, I got in a little too many fights as a young kid. And they made him stop at a very young age. And so I was kind of, that's always, I just kind of geared towards boxing more. And I went into boxing later in high school. And then as an adult, you know, I trained boxing for many years. And so, but that was, team sports were never my thing. Comic books were definitely my thing. That was a big, a huge um, obsession of mine. And drawing, and drawing, I would say was my first expression before even predating. Any of the music by far, even predating the snap, but I was always drawing from a young kid. And so I just, you know, gravitated toward visual art first. But then I just kind of, um, I guess with pursuing visual art, it was always hard for me to get my, uh, my point across. Like I could never quite get out what's in my head. Right. So then when I found rap, it just, Practicing was easier, or maybe I—it was just I was naturally more gifted at it, or something. And I just could—I found I could tell my—I could paint the picture exactly how I wanted it. You know what I mean? And I seemed to excel without. And then, and then I started going there for for you know many years. But now I combine them, and you know I always did graffiti, and now I do visual art, paint canvases. I you know and so like and and doing my comic. You know, which combines it's, I, I didn't illustrate it, but it, you know, I oversaw the project and, um, and it combines visual art and music because that's kind of what those are the two biggest influences on me and the ways that I wanted to express myself. The comics hit me later because I got back into comics as a grown man. It's, I'll, I'll tell you a fucked up story. I remember. So I, after school, every day we would probably shoot hoops a little. Before I got into smoking weed, and then, you know, then we go to the comic store, you know, and I used to like, I used to steal my parents, you know, they'll, they, I would get caught stealing out any purse I get fucked up, but the fucking, the token packs. My parents used to just buy token packs. Oh, the tokens. Yeah, 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 but they buy the month because they would just be like, so they have stacks of packs, so I would just steal a pack. And, okay. and you could use those as currency tokens with currency in New York City. New York then. City, everything's currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could go to the bodega, but they'll usually give you, if it was like, yeah, a dollar 25, I'll give you a dollar. Right. Yeah. So, you know, Same I would. Same as food stamps right. and
1: everything else. And I it's was, like a discounted. Is, exactly. We'll give you what it's worth minus a couple cents. Right. right. So we
2: make some. Exactly. So yeah, I would take, I would take, you know, those tokens by comic books, but I, I remember the very day when I was like budgeting my shit and I was like, damn. And I first got into smoking weed. and now every day after school, we getting up. You got a budget we... for your weed. Right. <laughs> I had to make the decision. I was like being a little like, you know, like 13 year old, like, hmm, like a little scientist. Like, should I, do I have, I was like, right, I got to cut this comic shit out. Which kind of sucks. because right. In retrospect, comics are so dope. Yeah, like, imagine yeah, if no, we I have a I, I collection
3: can, I, from everything from back then just in a box, and the value of that now.
2: I have all that, shit, and it's worth nothing. Not for real. I, yeah, have, no. every, I have stacks, I that, still that, collect comics to this day. It, 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 yeah. it,
1: the market popped on it, but um, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can empathize with it. Uh, I got a bar somewhere in my catalog that I say Uh, something about being fly since from comic books and cartoons to beers and bitches, yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. And yeah. that's where it goes, you know what I mean, where like you care about comic books, cartoons and all this shit, and then yeah, girls shit, and then right. girls and then girls came around right. and I was just like, all right, well, uh you <laughs> know, my focus is now firmly planted on buns right. and 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 everything that had to do with impressing girls. So right. like clothes and fashion became like the 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 most important thing after that because but I also can empathize with the coming back to it as an adult. Because right. like I like I'm I got like a Marvel I got the Marvel Unlimited app and I've been paying for that for like over six years now you know what I mean yeah, like, but it's like and that's the reason like I can, don't yeah. I don't I don't buy the physical anymore but like I keep up with the story right. you know yeah. because like I'm interested in the story you it's know dope so to, to, you know it's, at least it's like it's some
2: form of reading which people hardly do anymore so if at least you flex your mind in some way and I'm I'm still that I still. I got back into comics, you know, as an adult, and then I just became a super fiend for years. And then I went to, like, I don't even, now I don't even fuck with superhero comics mostly. I will here and there, like, but Mm -hmm. it gotta be real well written, but I read, like, crime noir comics and, like, Italian comics and, you know, all all different, like, you know, sci-fi shit or just, like, bug. some of the most bugged out shit I've ever read is in comics, but it's like... There's some really off the wall a lot uh, of comic
1: When you were a kid, what were the what were the books that really got you into comic books? So as a baby, it just like the way my parents got
2: me into music playing Linda Ronstadt, they read me Spider Man. So Spider Man was my first intro and I loved I had Spider Man zips, the sneakers. <laughs> I had Oh, I was Spider Manned out as a kid. I love Spidey. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, you know, you know and matter of fact I remember it's like toys weren't even the the. It wasn't until Secret Wars that they dropped the right. little GI Joe size Gosh, figurines. They had the dolls that were like right. Barbie, doll size, Barbie doll size, and they Big had ass. cloth or like clothing. the old
1: GI Joe, the right, original GI right. Joe, which is like a doll, a doll, right? Which is like, bro, I'm not. So yeah, I had that. I had that. Shouts I, to um, right? Shouts to uh, Steven Spielberg. No, uh, who's the one behind um, Star Wars? Oh, uh George Lucas. George Lucas. George yeah. Lucas is the one that originated that action figure style. Oh, he said he low. said he was He's the one. He's the one that went with the with the Star Wars and it one. Started and the with G.I. Star Wars, Joe. Right. And then the G.I. Joe's Star came. Star Wars predated G.I. Joe, yeah. Right. But yeah. G.I. Joe would they just like
2: we they just did this elbow. We give you right. an elbow, more articulation. Right, right. I want to do it cuz be like we want to imagine we're playing comic books. Right. I want to see the dude do this and snuff the guy then I want yeah. him to do this. You know, like yeah. it's like you you want to like play with the shape of it, mm-hmm. you know. That was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so GI Joe knew that. So yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And then that was a side thing too cuz I my parents didn't give me I didn't have like a huge toy chest like kids now but then you know I have my five GI Joes. We would take we would take the uh, a little uh, Phillips head screwdriver, take the They're parts hard. apart, and remake. You Isn't know, different. In, I had yeah, yeah. five, but I really had infinity. You know, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> and then I would draw each one and make <laughs> it a carry and make a name for them. And then, you know, the Cobra guys always had the baddest helmets anyway. So I would I would take a Cobra helmet, mm-hmm. but put it on a GI Joe body, and you know, like right. do all type of fly
1: changes. That was that's like, totally a thing nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Like they like they take. Right, like that's how they make other, you know, like oh, we're gonna make uh, uh, uh um, villain's head or I'm I'm trying to think of um these dudes from Clark's uh, Kevin Smith, Kevin right um, Smith, Kevin Smith, but what what what's Dante, their, their? Dante Bob, Randall, and, uh, Kevin Silent,
3: Smith, Silent, Jay and Silent Bob, J and Silent Jay and Bob, J and
1: Silent Bob action figurines, <clears throat> and it's like it's like made out of uh made out of uh a General Duke GI Joe figure.
2: Right. They just do the cast They
1: repaint it. They you know, they yeah. they re they change it up and then they repackage it as like Jay and Simon Bob or right. some other action figure that never got an action figure, right? right like right. you, me, right. Holden. Right? Like that's how they the people that do make those action figures now, that's how they go about it. E Man Body. There's so many
2: it's like it's a like, yeah I I you know it's such a they've been doing it for a long time. It's pretty but. cool
3: that that's a they they found a way to recycle action figures. There, Upcycling. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're right. Upcycling. Well, a lot of times they're just taking the mold, so they're not they make their own. They just but they'll just take that body, play, they know what it is, mm-hmm. put it in plaster,
1: and then pour their own. You know, oh, like, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: that's still it. Yeah,
1: and then they do what he was talking about doing, which is like then. Unscrew it, screwing it back. Put the putting the little rubber thing that held the body, held the torso. And then eventually the rubber band pops, and the legs and the legs separate from the torso.
2: You gotta. We all and, had we all had torso cat torso decapitated GI Joes
1: in the bin. Absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. It was always your favorite. And one then I too. would take other. Then you had other. <laughs> I would the take most, a regular rubber you always, band. You always damaged the shit you love the most. Right. And that's then you like had some life message. Shit. You had the GI Joe <laughs> with the
2: loose with the loose torso because he, he had a regular rubber band. In right. right. There, that's kind of like wiggling right. around. Right. Like,
1: he was wild to, wiggling. You had to double up the rubber band. He was like Woody in Toy Story, right? Like wild like. <laughs> wiggly, yo, white, wiggly white, yeah, white man, with a switch, bro. <laughs> it's like, yo, he got the he got the wiggly rubber band, wiggly rubber it wasn't his band. choice, man. <laughs> word, yo. All right, so, so you that so, those.
3: so you, you're the first person I've talked to in all our interviews that made his own toys out of his own choice, word. That's a fact. I'm
1: so like 75 interviews. I mean, he's talking about nah, r 75 plus. Plus, like, an extra 100, 100 change. Man, whatever. So, like, right.
3: let's say 220 people, first master, something. <laughs> and I met the toy collectors. Nobody's like being like, nah, I only have five G.I. Joes, but I had infinity because.
2: Because. I mean, I wish I made that up. One of my homies in, in in camp, I believe, put me on to that. And here's the crazy shit. Here's how he put me on. We used to do the. He used. I, Did I ever? Because I never really had none. They had Bionic 6. Yes. Characters. Which I were know. die cast die metal, cast, metal. G.I. Joe's, G.I. Joe's. But they were interchangeable with the G.I. Joe's. So yes. my man in camp. Show me something like a G.I. Joe with metal arms. I'm like, yo, what the? Where'd you get this?
1: And right. he's like, yo. He took he, me. He gave, he gave, you he mean gave he, gave me gave, he, gave, he gave snake eyes like a bazooka arm right, for the dude right. For one of the bad guys or something like that? Yeah. Right. Nah, there was lit. this
2: one G.I. Joe that was mad Diesel. I think his name was Road Pig. roadblock Road oh, Pig. Road Pig from um, Bionic Six. I don't wait, wait, nah, nah. He was he was GI Joe, but he was a GI Joe with a brollic. He was like chest naked, but he had like a giant Arnold Schwarzenegger chest that was was, was, he, was he black? Bigger. No, he's a white dude. He kind of okay. he had a white flat top. Word. I think he's supposed to be Australian or something. Word. Like, but so he so he got a white flat top, chest naked, like, but he had the brolic chest plate that was bigger than the typical GI Joe chest. So it was kind of I, right. I I I did mad characters with him because he just looks like more, way well, more hulked well, like, out than every right. G.I. So you, like, you know what I mean?
3: So so you said you're making characters, that kind of like like a comic book writer would be like sketching out their characters, and yeah. then you would like be using these toys as a reference point for that.
2: Yeah, pretty much. And I used to make my own comics. Like I still have I
1: have copies well, of some of them. That's how it still I I that's dope, you save Yeah, them. yeah. I saved. Yeah, I don't them. have them saved. I have drawings, but not like the actual. I used to use the the composition notebook yeah, he's and in my I would, you I, can would see my I would pull out the, right I Still would take off you take off the black part on the outside it takes and it gives you access to the um binding right. and then you take off the binding and then I would use like four or eight pages and that's 16 right, right doubled right, up right, and right. that would be my comic book and I'd make the comic you yes. know do all my drawings cover up all the lines right, all the right, coloring right, everything right. and that was my comic book that i was selling to selling to that's, people it that's shit. dope though that
2: just shows that like how creative you were and how much you it's like we took in these things and we immediately were like this yep. is so dope i want to create one you know yeah. what i mean like i want to do my own and even at a young age you're not it's funny like the confidence you have as a kid to try something that you have no shot of even doing it, but you're just flexing. Cause if you know, if you get anywhere, even baby close, it's actually very impressive. And it's how you start becoming. No, I was just like thinking, skill.
3: like imagine there was like the TikToks and shit back then and y'all was making comic books. Y'all probably oh, could have yeah, actually yeah, yeah. They will
1: popping. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah, no. I it's
2: mean, we true. had to be so much more. I mean, like. No, All you, I had was computer paper. No, but what I'm saying is, and, it's like,
3: if y'all was, cause you still would be in the comic books and superheroes and right, and right. shit. Only now you could do something else. Now there's it. an
2: avenue. You could have, you could put your kid in a class for comics drawing. Damn. When I was a kid, it's like, you want art, you're going to have to study, you know, like still lifes. And it, they're not yes. going to teach you how to do yes. comics. No. That's the last thing you get the to. Last, and yeah. that's what I want if you, to you do get to it. If you get to it. I went to, where I went to so high school, my first year of high school, still. I was in LaGuardia for art, which was a very prestigious art yes. school. It's the fame school, you know. Yeah. The, the, I got denied. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. I mean, it's yeah, a yeah. very rare thing. I got, I was one of these kids. I got into all the science schools. I got into Stuyvesant, Bronx Science, Brooklyn Tech, LaGuardia, and I wanted to go because I was trying to be, I didn't care about that shit. I wanted to be a little fucking hoodlum. And I wanted to go to humanities, which is like a regular. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't bad, but it was just a regular neighborhood regular, school. Yeah, yeah. And 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 my mom was like, "Are you fucking high?" Your She's friends
1: like, all wanted to go there. Yeah, or your yeah. friends
2: were all there. Or yeah, something like yeah, that. yeah. And she was like, "You're going. You got into a specialized school. You could go to one of the math and science schools, or you could go to Laguardia for art." So I went to Laguardia for art. But that year, I mean, I did some dope stuff, and I kind of wish that I stuck with it more. But you know. I wasn't into that type of art so much, and it was just like... Yeah, that's an interesting
3: point, though. So, like, if you do want to go to the art route... I'm sure while there are comic book courses, if you still want to go to the, the formal I've route... I've taken
2: comic classes as an adult. But, like, if you want to like,
3: go, like, the, the school route, you're still going to have to go through all the really boring I'm, art before you get right. to, like, the, maybe get a snapshot of the one there's, class.
2: There's merit in going through all that shit, because they taught us perspective. They were really teaching us the building blocks yeah, you would need, right. but... I think especially as children and as a creative, you're teaching something that's creative. If a kid has a s- specific direction for his creativity, fucking yeah. indulge him. you yeah, know. Throw him into that like exclusively. And you can, you all can the teach perspective. in comics
3: yeah. and shit Like you can do it all within the world that was interesting. Yeah, it yeah. You have... would learn
2: all of it. you would have to learn all of it anyway, just learn it through comics.
1: And the truth what, is, what you like, you know. The truth is that each of those, right, like, um, we were just interviewing a, a, a artist who, right, like, is featured in Sotheby's and, uh, does uh, does Danny Cortez. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Danny Cortez. He does like yeah, miniatures of like sick. New York City stuff, right? It is incredible. Um, man. and but like, I'm like, you know, he's talking about like, you know, how some people in the art world like look down on what he does, and it's just like. People in the art world look down on everything. They look Never down do, on right. comic book. Right. Uh, art. But they can't do what he but does. They do <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, exactly. But they can't do what, exactly. They can't do what comic book artists do. You know what I mean? Right, and right. comic book artists, it's their own. Yeah. It's its own. The same way that, uh, Basquiat couldn't do comic book art and comic book artists can't do Basquiat right. is, is, the same thing. Right. And it, Basquiat, I would say something unpopular. But I'm it all needs to be respected. You know what I'm saying? Basquiat mean?
2: compared to the average comic artist is Trash. Mm-hmm. On I, I you know you comics, appreciate comic book art more comics I'm not mad at it. are so hard. It's like that's the most grueling and you have to have your chops talent of any Honestly. art form. Because look look, this is actually my comic.
1: Right, right. Tales from the
2: third rail. Every fucking page is a completed Piece of art that could hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, right. five, six, seven. Absolutely right. They keep going. They keep going keep and going. going. Keep going. A book is a bunch of art. Galleries. It's, a, uh, gallery's it's a gallery. More than a gallery. Just the visuals. Yes. Then it has writing right. and a plot. It's a, a story. Screen, it's, it's a, a movie. A screenplay Play. and a gallery and a movie. Right. Right. And so it's like yeah. it's so and the difference between being able to draw things. And you have to do lettering. Lettering, I mean you know, and now these things, you know, so in a, in a, like a if you go to a Marvel or a DC book, these are jobs into themselves and matter of Each fact. Each one. Yeah. Lettering is not even done, lettering is done by lettering houses mostly. It's not, you don't even get a, a specific person. There'll be a, a business that does lettering and there may, maybe there's four guys working there. Then you got the colorer, the pencil, the anchor, Inker. You know, and so those are three shots. And, and
1: you still got not the, not editor, not. the editor. Right. The, the editor and the editor is important. Right. Like yeah. I, I always cite to people, you know, as you know, sounds like you're you're in it, right? So like uh as a huge Marvel MCU fan, right? Like I'm like I, I always tell people like the biggest mistake that DC makes is that they don't make a studio where like not only did Marvel do a studio, but they made sure that the studio had writers. Artists, editors, right. all from the comics. Right, right. So they can help curate well, what they, you're doing in the movies. Make sure because a lot of times they, your director right. won't have won't have grown up right, reading right. the comics. Facts. So you need you need a bridge in between there. You need the guys that they consult. Like it can't be you know it, it's it's one of those where like yes, have artistic freedom, but at the same time, don't go crazy because it's like for that then you're just making your own original story. That has nothing to do with this comic book story. You know what I mean? Why do
2: they think these characters were popular? It's so funny. It's like, it's all laid out for you. You know what I mean? It's like, everything is here, but you have to... Like you said, why not have the guys that made the... It's just... It makes sense. They understand that universe. Yeah. Let them tell the stories and let them, you know, let people uh, work with characters characters they have an affinity for and they have a deep knowledge of and, you know... if they retell you know there's certain classic certain things have to change for the screen and certain things that you know should remain classic it's a it's an art to capturing the essence you know right because you want to change it that's you have to bring it up to date Mm -hmm. the the comics don't make sense you know peter parker's been that's what he went from he went from 15 to like 35 but it took him like 70 years you know and so like these things are weird and not too many things have happened. So you have to condense yeah. and kind of retell them. So they, they require that.
1: That's what happens with the volumes, right? Like right, right. right. each volume yeah. of a comic book gives you a new chapter. Every artist right. that takes on the comic starts, you know, usually they stay with the comic for a, a, a little while, a right. generation, right. so to speak. And then you take for some about of the, Four you, to five they, years, seven years, baby. Um, they write those stories and then they bring that book to life in the stories that they tell through it and the storytelling that they do. But and then comes along another artist right. comes along uh, uh, Jonathan Hickman, comes along, mm. you know, this guy, yeah. that guy, and a Tallahassee coach and gives a different spin on Black Panther that was never spun before, you know right, And right. that's the point of it, is yeah. For everybody to bring it to their generation and, and give it a voice that it didn't have. Yeah, well, that, you know, comics
2: is the closest we have, I think, to, you know, these are our Greek fables, man, for yes. modern culture. That's Agreed. what it is. I like Big I like yeah, that. yeah. And that's I what like it that. is. It's our Zeus. It's our Hercules. Yeah. And people are telling, these used to be oral traditions. People would tell the story and maybe write it you know, and, and now it's it's like, you know, it's updated, it's constantly updated, and they're having new adventures every month, and it goes on and on, and then they die, and then they come back, you know, right. and then like, so it's like, it's just a, such a, you know, a lot of it is a, it, it, it's in our public consciousness somehow, these characters are fake, but they're so real Super to so many real. people, and people just idolize them and you know and so it, it could be actually important stuff could come out of them like you know oh, like all I like would, any art form, you know? Like so I think a
3: lot of important stuff. Even even if you look at it like just the role that comics are playing in the social justice debate, whether or not you're pro or against making a character black to represent somebody or not. Right. Just their function Society has been a focal point of pretty much every sensitive topic you can think of because yeah. they've tried to incorporate that into. No, they do incorporate, and yeah. that's I why comics, that's where
1: I the think controversy Stanley- is coming. Turning <laughs> right. they- Iceman now is a gay character. Right.
0: This character has a race
1: shape. Nick Fury went from being white. Right. Nick Fury looked like he could have been uh, a de- uh, uncle. Right? The way that he looks a little bit older right. with an eye patch. Now he looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Fact. You know what I'm saying? But and that's the uh,
2: ultimate universe. So in the regular
1: Marvel, he's
2: still white. Work, 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 work. So he's yo, you that, could just, that Nick Fury is white, but just ultimate, unum, they created a new universe. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. You know, so you can't even like think about it back in the day. I bet they did the same shit with Zeus. It yes, was like new yes. Zeus, and then they right, were like, right. "Nah, that Zeus is trapped." They did it with Absolutely. Jesus. Everywhere you go, you know, there's a reason there why. Were three councils our... on the Bible. Right. Three separate councils got together to recanonize the fucking Bible. Right.
2: That's why you see Ethi- You could see Ethiopian black Jesus with dreads, yep. or you could see European Italian Jesus with blonde locks, mm-hmm. and everywhere in between. You know what I mean? Because every culture was like, "We're gonna tailor this for us." You know what I mean? The classic white Jesus is actually the image of Cesare Borgia. Yeah, the Borgias. I've I've heard that that they wanted the uh, you know, the Sistine Chapel painted in their their images. That
3: dude became the basis. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you were in the comics and drawing that when you was a little one. Were you also in the music and other kinds of things, or was that like your main focus, like when you were a little one?
2: So little, yeah, it was definitely music, uh, definitely comics rather. And then it took about, I would say, yeah, till I was in like junior high when I became like about 10 or 11. 11, I started really just, I got into rap, bought bought all those Big Daddy Kane albums. I started writing raps. I started, you know, we had a little home video camera, which wasn't little, it was like, you know, that big. But I would like record, like doing raps and record them in one of, you know, on a Cassette and so you're a cassette tape rapper. I was a cassette tape rapper, exactly. And so from the era, from that era, and so and so, yeah, we were just, uh yeah, we were just, you know, I was specific. I was always like, I was the one motivating most of my friends into this. Like, I was, you know, I had friends that were into the music probably just as much, but I was the one that wanted to be like you wanted it the most. I wanted it the most. I was the one that wanted to be the rapper. Yeah. They liked the rap.
1: I w- I wanted to rap. I come from the same group of friends, right? Right, right? like in so, childhood, like they could, right. they would if I pushed them to. Right, when they would get on a track it's because I paid for studio time and was like, "Yo, get on this track, get on this right. beat that I picked." But they didn't want it, right? Like they they didn't care about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I like that was saying, yeah, I had some high school friends like that too,
2: and then and so actually, funny enough, my man who drew the comic went to LaGuardia with me. You know what I mean? He, um, he used to uh, draw and be into rap too, and we had a rap group before. You know, before he was my comic artist. So he used to he had bars. He was like Rakim, like crazy bars. He actually he's the only feature on my first album. Nice he has a, a a verse on the outro. And people are always like, yo, who is that? Because he kinda got a deep voice, like, you know, like a shine voice, but a, a rock him flow, which is, he's a crazy writer. And he stopped and he probably you know, he claims he can't write any more bars now, but I, I know he can. He never and he can do that. it, but he's an incredible visual artist. I mean, and you see this comic, the work he did on the comic here is incredible, but he can do oil paintings magnificently. Like he studied the human form. He's been a you know he's
1: he's a member of the Art Student League. He's an incredible sure. artist. What well, said, name, right, because back then in order for us to ever get to what we wanted to do, right, we had to learn all these other right, you, you go know, through you go through everything, And so right. but then you then you're you're able to yeah. you know do those other things, right? right. He's
2: able to like, like. he yeah, yeah. He, he just found he found like he was more like that he he we, he did one or two shows with us, like maybe early, but he just, he was he didn't want the stage, you know. He's like, no, nah, nah, I want to do my painting, and that was his angle, you know. Yeah, so he the,
3: he you know, visual that. artist types is a type. Right? Yeah, the second yeah. they see the crowd, they're like, nah, be, I'm gonna go hide in my studio and draw.
1: <laughs> Word. You know what? I always say that about like in like in hip hop in New York specifically, right? Because that's where I can give you big doses of like study numbers right like uh uh i've noticed that like producers and engineers are a little like like that yeah like, facts they're they're the introverts they like to they'll sit there with a the beat for days on end before they ever even care about going out to a club or to a spot, you know, like yeah, 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 socializing yeah. is super secondary, third-ary, 4th fourthary. That's some people. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You some know, people go like, like that. Like, you know, and similar, like- similar to artists like that, like engineers and producers have that kind of in them. Like that's kind of like almost goes hand in hand with being a part of that. That you know, world. That world, hey, I've
2: yeah. been a, you know, I used to make beats, and I'm a visual artist also, so I, maybe I have both, you, you know, there's can, you times, can, like, you ever, I you. could be introvert, extrovert, I like to go out, I like to party and all that, but that, but then after a while, sometimes, I do get, like, like, adult, like, social anxiety, like, at big events where I'm just, like, I don't want to be, and when I get drunk, too, I'm just, I do the Irish goodbye all the time, people know, I because when, the, I might not even intend on leaving, but I'll be drunk, and I just walk by the door sometimes and I could the moment hits me, I'm like, oh, it's time to bounce. I'm got to go. I'm done. I'm out. No yeah. pieces. I'm out. Yeah. Nah, but like
3: especially <laughs> if you're drunk though, sometimes your body you're drunk, knows okay. like, nah, you you gotta go.
2: Yeah, you gotta go. And I got this other disease that's whack that probably a few people hate me for. It's called the this is why I get the social anxiety, because I have like, I got like 10 people in me to 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 chop it up with schmooze with, yo, what up? Even if it's somebody I love, after the 10th one at the party, I'm kind of like, man, I just want to sip my drink. And i just like, and I'll see somebody across the room that I actually know, and I pretend I didn't see them. like, oh, did it catch me? Of course they caught you, and you're like, fuck. And you're like, I look like a fucking ass. They probably think I'm an asshole, but nah, I just have this now, disease. It's my now disease. You're, now
1: you're going through even more like, oh, he stole me. Now you think now like, i think so, now I feel like a piece of shit because yeah. now I'm an asshole to this guy right. that I don't that it's not you. It's, it's not you, it's you it's that nothing you to, do to do with it's you. It's, it's me, do in, the you me yeah, in the yeah, moment. Me in the moment. I'm yeah, having my yeah, no, nah, I mean but I don't like, I don't have that, but I can understand. You, you, you can understand that sometimes you I, I get, have a lot of friends like, so like I, that.
3: I guess I have that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There
1: you go. So yeah. I'm not I even I Irish I wish to buy every once in the blue. Bad. But I really am I more of a, like, yo, I every dap everybody in, I dap everybody nah, out. It's good. It's a good I'm, habit I'm a, to do. I'm a, yeah, yeah. I'm a. I'm also like, I enjoy being like for the party, and right, you know right, what I right, mean. Like, right, I enjoy right. being the etc. I enjoy. I, I do. I do that
2: too. Yeah, but you know what? I but also, there's levels. Sometimes it's like your people, people. Like, if it's my close friends, it's like or I got enough of them with me, it's like, you could be anywhere. And it's like, that's like fam. You know, then it's like, I think it's more like acquaintances. It's like when I, I don't, that's why I like to party in other cities because I don't like to know. I think that is a problem. I don't like to know too many of the crowd because there's something about that. Like having to stop like every time I want to meet new people. That's why I'm out. Like show me the new ones. Right, 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 (laughs) right, right. But, you know, yeah, so it, I could be both, you know. I'm definitely very social and very talkative at times. So.
3: Yeah, but it makes sense how yeah. some people might not want to rap. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. I get it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, nah,
1: but also, you know, we all, I think like humans, we have everything in us, right? Like we have that, we have the good, the bad, the ugly. We have the we have our social you know, and even if even if you're even if you're a super, if even if you are an introvert, there is still those moments, right? Like let's let's were to say you're the most not you, but like let's sort to say for the people out there who are like the Kim Basinger, was it the lady that played um Eminem's mom in yeah, yeah, Eight Mile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe she has that um she agoraphobia,
2: right? She, she had, had agor- a couple. I know she had she that had, what agor- you call Munchausen by proxy too. Oh, which, right um which has means you 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 claim your kid is sick all the time that when it, your kid's not sick word so you're like you, she was like convincing him that he had like you know all these things wrong with him that he word. Didn't have,
1: like that's crazy yeah, yeah yeah word but you know she she also had that agoraphobia thing which is where like she doesn't, you know doesn't want to go out open places right the, the, yeah. Yeah, the, right. so like people like that but even when you're that person there's still when you live a life like that, you still have those moments of like, oh my God, I really want to be around a lot of people. I want to socialize. Right. There's still that one moment in a decade, the one moment in every year, right, or something like that. You know what I mean? We're Where social creatures. Like, we're, it feels good we're, once you're social. Cre- yeah, yeah uh-huh. people are just very, you know,
2: be, become very nervous about it and very, you know, you can be like inside your head. Yeah, inside your we head. All exactly. Have yeah, we're, yeah. Everybody's been in that moment or like some. Most of us could pull it together. So you've had a moment sometimes when you're hanging out with somebody or probably like on a date or something where you're like not feeling your company and you just want to bounce, but you have to like, you've got to politely, you like, I can't dip right now. Yeah. I got to hold this together for a minute, but you just kind of like, uh, like, <laughs> I can't wait to get Shit. out of there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we all got that in us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's times when you're going to be like, but
1: you know, you pulled it together, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, big facts, facts, facts. So, all right. So, let's get back on the journey. So, you're
3: you're like like you're at 10, 11. You you start rapping with your peoples. You yeah. Also, um. Then you start performing at that point, or like what I you? S-
2: I started performing when I was about sixteen. I started doing these open mics that were on the Upper West Side. There was a show called Elevated. And it was like a hip, it was, it was in the, um, they used to teach the ESL classes there. It was on 104th Street and Broadway on the second floor above what's like a Dwayne Reed now. And it was an art gallery. They would have like, you know, all the graph artists would do, uh, you know, canvases and stuff. They had breakers that would come through. They had MCs, beatboxers. It was like a hip hop festival, but. Super ill talent in there and people that went on to be famous. So I started in there. That's where I first met the Addams family, which is Cannibal Ox, my brothers who I ended up touring the world with. I met them as part of a larger group called the Addams Fam, which was like underground Wu Tang. There's like eight of them. They all had completely different styles that were all ill and crazy, super wordy. They're like the original, you know. I don't want to call them nerd rap because it's disrespectful. Like intelligent sci-fi. Like no, I don't think nobody's feeling yeah, disrespected. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I don't even feel it's because that's not even. I was about to
1: say that, but it's not that.
2: It was. It's it not was, that. It's not. Yeah, because if, it, yeah. if it's
1: sci-fi, it's really uh something more nuanced. Right. Than right. Nerd. Nerd. Right. It's because yeah, especially when. We have now a basis for nerd rap because there right. isn't such, thing such core, a thing as nerd nerdcore. And we know what it sounds like. We right. know what they're rapping about. Right. And science fiction is something different. This is different. This it's is different. that
2: splash with the hood. It's like right. Blade Runner in the hood, you know, like. Word. And so it was like, yeah, just a, just a, a, a crazy artistic, like, and, I remember who used to come through that scratch from the roots and um, he used to beatbox and then he had another MC with him. I forgot who it was, but all type of people being there and all, a lot of the illest graph writers. And so that was the first, you know, that was the first open mic that I got up at. Um, and back then I was known for graffiti. So I was graph head from, I would say, You know, I was writing rhymes at the same time probably that I got into graffiti, but graffiti was the only thing that I expressed publicly, and I got into just, you know, the art of it and just kind of the mischief of it. You know, I was, it was kind of just exploring the city and the train tunnels, and, you know, I was up a lot, and I used to write some one with the letter one, which, which evolved of, like, you know, I would... That name came from me doing, writing paragraphs in a notebook. I'm like, what's my tag? I had like 10 different tags. My original tag was just a bomb, like an old school cartoon circle bomb with a lit fuse and three little like ticks off the lit fuse, right? But then I was like, all right, the bomb, I was the bomb. But that kind of, I was like, all right, I need an actual tag that's letters. So I started writing paragraphs and I'm like, all right, I just need to write a tag. And I was too toy. I was like, I want to have a disguise tag until I get nice. So I'm writing letters. What letters are the word "somewhat"? I wrote the word "somewhat," and I like the let the S O M E W H A T. But then I was like, I didn't like the T on the end, so I left. So my first tag was some W H A question mark, somewhat, mm-hmm. and that was my tag. And and so I used to write that. And then after about six months, a year of bombing as somewhat this weird tag, then I'm like, all right. I had skills. Now I got a hand style for the sum, and I was like, I, I left the Y out of there, and I just put a number one on it, and then it was some one, and that's how I really got known. So I had to tag, and I had the hand style that just, you know, it's one. I never had to pick the 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 can up, and one brush I do, you know, sum with the number one at the, at the end. So I'm sum one in the street, probably the biggest. Street bomber in the upper west side for a few years in there, right? Word. Everybody sees me everywhere on the street, and I'm up in other boroughs too, but mostly Manhattan. And uh, so going to the open mic, they're like, I, I was going up with my man, my man Shem, who used to write Kest, and we were, you know, that's so we're like, what do we call ourselves with someone and Kest, you know, and they're coming to the stage, uh, someone, it was the worst rap name ever. It's like, it's a cool graffiti name, you know. Graffiti names are all like is that or Kest or that, a...
1: that does the um the K E S T, but he's not. He, he he wasn't a famous writer, you know. He just, okay, he's he because he there's it. the guy now that's pretty known for the like uh, uh what is that the um the Best Buy uh ticket right. logo looking test guard test yeah
2: yep not no not that unless uh, you know I haven't heard from this kid in Mad Look, This kid's actually in the we used to hang out. There's a documentary called "Dark Days," that's about um the 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 Amtrak tunnels and, yeah. and the mole people that used to live in. Yes, so I it was seen that. So a couple of them were our homies. We used to hang or out. In, in, Makes sense. Yeah, It's yeah. over here that right.
1: that uh, entrance is. Right.
2: right. So my man, the same. Or kid. not over here.
1: Over between here between we 73rd
2: street. Yeah to 125th street. That's the tunnels. Right. And that was literally, I'd be in there every day at from like junior high through high school. I would spend mad time in the tunnels because they weren't like the subway tunnels that like subway tunnels. I've almost died every time I went down there. Right. Literally, there's live third rails. Two trains come in at the same time. Same time. You gotta, there's no yeah, room. Yeah, 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 you gotta yeah. put your fucking back on the wall and the train sucks you as it goes by. Yeah, exactly. So you're like this. Cause,
1: cause it, as the train is going at the speed that it's yeah. going, it, it, it literally, literally pulls you, pulls a you. You. You pull it. you it. Like, so up the wall. You have to have the strength yeah. to keep your body Scariest back. Scariest shit in yeah, the world. It's scary bro. as fuck. The, the freedom, the freedom
2: tunnels, and they were named after this writer called Freedom mm-hmm. that that lived in there and mm-hmm. painted murals. He would, right. you know, some, yeah. So, so you know, the freedom tunnels were our playground. We would just walk oh, all day. actually bomb them out. did
3: the the action. That's wild. You did the whole subway thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I bombed. I bombed layups. We would. So we what we would do is I bombed with my man Show TDC, who he actually has a huge graffiti, but I could show you it. He fucking, you know, he's a OG from Long Island. People didn't know who he was. He had wars with, like, you know, like, Tats crew and, and like, people that, like, giant known writers back in the day would be like, where are these guys coming from? And piecing on the trains, like, nobody knew because they weren't actually New Yorkers. He's a crazy Irish dude from, from Long Island, but he was just getting it in. And so he came and just fucking... Totally was a fucking train king, so I used to go out. He was, you know, an OG to me. So, but we would spot the the layups, and so in my era, it was in his era. They would just go to the train yards, easy You'd clip a lock or something, but you'd be right in, like it was nothing. And you know, maybe you get chased out by a guy guy with a dog. And sometimes they had once in a while a cop would show up, but it was a free for all. In my era, all that stuff is the yards on heavy. Cause after a certain year, the 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 mayor yeah, and they, the the right city now. declared war on it. Yeah, yeah. Realized that eighties were no more. Right, eighties were no more. The, they realized yeah. that writers liked the trains running, so they made a policy decision to never run a train with graffiti on it.
1: Yeah. So they had like, they
2: made graffiti proof trains, which still cost like a quarter million dollars
1: to clean. It's no, not yeah, they, they they they, spent they a lot. They just clean of- them. Yeah. Well, it, when you can look at it as is essentially like uh America's the so-called widely, policy of like do we don't negotiate policy, with terrorists. Right? So, so this is yeah. what happened in my era. So, this is how
2: we had to bomb trains. So, the in my era, the 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 everything is locked up. You, I can't bomb a train, a running train. The only way to do it is to do what's called a motion, which is the that's for that's for real crazy motherfuckers. That's too crazy. That's actually waiting till the train pulls up. You run up, catch you know, and, and do a little outline. You can't do nothing. You can't do a filling or nothing. You can do an outline or a tag, and you just do your outline. And then the train pulls off, and you and you, you ever just... seen
1: the ones of them doing that out in like, uh, like Europe? Yeah, many writers like, have that died they do it in that. Yeah, that they do it as a crew at the station. Oh yeah! Wow, well, I'm sure they have. I I, I, they do say, the, I'm sure it, they do films. Yeah, it's just it, people it, do all types of shit, but but that's modern. That's modern, right, right, and, it's, right. and it's a crew, and they're doing it in right, Europe yeah. where their yeah. thing is a lot more relaxed. It's right, different, right, even, it's you know, different, right. it's a different it's circumstance, a different, totally it's a different, different circumstance. circumstance. So the other way we
2: will bomb trains is in. The winter in big snowstorms, the yards they can't pull the trains in, so they do they leave layups. What's so called a layup. They lay. They take. You know, there's there's mad different tracks in the tunnel. They have some tracks that are dead that they could just leave a train. So you'll be taking a train home, and you always, you know, graph writers. We just our eyes are peeled in the tunnels. Who's up in here? Oh, this guy got a tag. This guy's been in this tunnel, and if you see a train parked in the tunnel, call your man. Yo, we gotta go tonight, you know. And so we would sneak into the, you go into the closest station, hop in on the tracks, and then you, you know, but you might have to go a couple blocks through the tunnels. And those are the, those are the most dangerous. Those are probably some of the most dangerous moments of my life. Between especially when two trains are coming at the same time, it's super bewildering. One's coming this way, one's coming that way. They're very close. There's two live third rails. You know, the wall is not too Mm -hmm. far away.
1: So yeah, that you know. No, we're, we're risking. We risk our lives unnecessarily, yeah, yeah, all, all sorts of ways. But at the same time, that's why I I'm not surprised when you see. Do you see the videos nowadays or like because yeah, I see it all the time? Maybe it's because I get like Bronx, you know, social media and shit, but like. The kids riding the trains, right? You right. know, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. And, and Train, it's, they it, used to do that they, back then. They, they, they killed. Uh, yeah. There's been a few deaths, you know, and it's just like, but it's like, yo, they, I'm pretty shit. sure there were wild deaths back then for us oh, too. They were definitely it's wild just we yeah, they, yeah. they don't publicize it as much, you know. Like right, it's yeah, just right. one of those well, things.
3: Social media kind of allows all the deaths to be documented now.
2: Yeah, everything is on camera now. Like whatever happened, somebody was recording it, and it's a messed up moment for yeah. everybody to witness. Right. But yeah, kids were definitely doing that. I mean, I remember what we used to do, which was horrible and foul. But we used to, you know, back when you could uh ride between cars, you know, we would just, we would always, you know, when you're a young, you know, wannabe bad kid, like you just literally ride between. We didn't, we didn't ride in the train, but we were mostly between cars, you know? And so, and we were, and we would get in between cars before it even pulled out of the station, but you would take like a newspaper or something, like. Ball up a newspaper, a magazine, and then wait till the thing starts moving, and then just try to duff somebody in the head with it as it, as it, and like the bigger, thuggier guy you get, the more points it is, because they will try to chase the train car. You better hope the train car doesn't get stopped in the station or something, but you know, yeah, that was all
3: type of, you know, oh man. Yeah, yeah no, well, i am definitely another first. We've
1: never had a who can hit the gangster off the train. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a more lawlessness of like New York City back then. People don't uh yeah. like if you're if you didn't grow up in New York City in the 80s, you just don't understand. I always right, right. I always say people that people say like,
2: it's getting bad and it's coming back and it is a little but it's nothing, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that.
1: Nothing. It's nothing
2: like nothing. That. nothing. Yeah. And there'll was never like, be nothing. There's like no that. CCTV like that back there, right? Like nah, it was nothing. So there.
3: like and the
2: yeah. trains and you got to understand the trains windows were blacked out. I mean the graffiti actually was Type disgusting. Actually, It wasn't like this. You know, you know. Some
1: people. Yeah, no. As it a, was everything. It was everything. It, it was, was beautiful everything. and it was, disgusting. It was, it, was, <laughs> it was everything, and it was
2: all over the whole thing. Yeah, and and, and the lights would black out. Like literally every thirty seconds. Yep. Two seconds of blackness. Three seconds of black. Sometimes thirty yeah, seconds yeah, of blackness. Yeah. Like yeah. literally, all the pickpockets people would wait, yeah, would yeah. post up, and wait for the light to go out and go in your pocket. Like it was a yeah, common yeah. thing when the lights go out, you just. You know, you kind of like, that's you a know, he breaks up. A that's the whole New York City. shit. It's like, you know, you ever seen Jacob's Ladder? That's it. Yo, you ever seen that? I, um, uh, no, great, I, I, I saw it, but like, I don't remember it. So it has know? New York trains in the, in, in the 80s and it's like, but he comes home from Vietnam and it's actually like, he's going through like a private hell and it's like demons on the chair, but like, he's just getting little glimpses of tail, but it's the real train and the lights are going, it's like, it's just, that's how it really was, you know right, what I mean? It's the right. feeling yeah, of yeah, being yeah. on the subway in, in back in the days. Yeah, no. I never
3: realized that there were just these moments of blackness. Oh. Like, you hear about how dangerous things are, right. but, you know, like it's like how people do things isn't often ever talked right. about. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, nah, back then it was it was different. It was different. Definitely, I don't feel like when, when people are like, yo, uh, like it's getting so violent, it's getting so crazy. I'm like, eh. I remember how crazy it used to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. This feels like, you know, like nah, yeah, but nah, you know, and it could be worse, I feel like. So I'm just grateful that it's not worse. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the
2: dichotomy of any dope. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that it seems like, you know, Dope cities and like artistic places always seem to be violent. You know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's something. I mean, it goes it's just, hand in hand. It's the. I guess it's the harsh realities of life create I, the I best don't... artists. Maybe. Well, like, it's also know. just it's like,
1: major city shit, right? Yeah. Like but when she condense like, a lot of people together, would, more crime, more everything. It's just
3: facts, and then art, arty, artsy places have a lot more mental illness issues that are just. Because, like, I'm not going to say so. it. My theory is most people in art past a certain age are probably a little bit on some kind of a spectrum somewhere. Not mm-hmm. everyone. But more, you know, there's a little adjusting that has to happen to, like, properly function, you know? Right. Well, yeah. And it's like,
2: are so, you got a mushy art brain. Like, if you got, like, you know, artists are more sensitive. They they so they pick up the pain of the world. That's you, why, like, a room full of
3: rappers it. is sometimes the room full of the most sensitive people you're ever going to meet. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Big fact. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, you know, it's, it, that's, that's like the, that's the hilarious part of it all. You get older and you realize like how, you know, it's like, it's like some of it is this so much posturing and bullshit. And like, it's like I I was in a a lot of battle rapping too when I was younger and I was on MTV a few times for it. I was in Blaze magazine for it, you know, like, and then, but after a while, sometimes all of it can be like, you're like, damn, this is like, I'm saying the most hurtful thing about somebody and then we're going to shake hands after that. And that's like the fakest shit ever. Like, you know, (laughs) know, it's like, you know, but it's, but it's funny. Like it's, it's, there's an, it's it's like anything, it's a fucking art. You know what I mean? It's like, you can just, there's so many facets of it. Right. And there's so many ways that you can take it and and, you know, yeah, it's your brain can, go off on either either route and you know what I mean it's like wherever it takes you so, so
3: basically you started then like perform so from like the age of 12 to like 16 you were like doing kind of like musicing. were you like recording during that period or was um, it just writing Practicing. About,
2: yeah so yeah that in that time I wasn't really I had no it was much harder to get access to record. Right. it wasn't like the age of computers opened it up my first recordings, I had a meet, I was asking people through high school and then in my junior or senior year of high school, I met through my homie, my man, uh, through my man Mike, uh, who went to LaGuardia with me um, originally, he uh, introduced me to his boy Snafu, who is a dope producer. He has a beat on my last album to this day, but he was the my high school friend, producer, you know, downtown village kid. He lived, you know, by Washington Square Park. We <clears throat> used to go down there after school, record on his four, on his four track, on on cassette tapes. So on a four track, literally, and this wasn't even a digital. This is a this is a analog four track. This recording on a Maxell tape. So two tracks, four tracks, but two tracks are the stereo track of the beat. So you have. Two tracks with which to record, a vocal track and a backup track. You know what I mean. So if you wanna, if you wanna do ad libs or you can't double your vocals on the chorus because the last line and double the last bar of your verse, we couldn't do punch ins on that. If you do a punch in, it sounds like a totally new thing. Right. You know what I mean. So it you you don't. There's no such thing. So we had to start, but in a way, it was like. Rap boot camp because it made me realize, oh, I can't write just any way I want, and that's when they, if you first start writing, like you start writing more like the 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 cycle of writing I went through. It's like when I found I could rhyme a lot of words, I started getting like I went full nerd rap with it, and you know try to put as many you know you're just trying to stack the giantest rap structure, but it's like you're you're fighting the beat, you're putting so much shit in there, and then after a while you learn to like kind of ease back. And yep. just, you, you know, use it as you need it, but be tasteful. Um, I forgot where we were going with this point. Recording on your four track. Oh, on the four track. Yeah. So that just really taught us, like, you know, you couldn't do a punch you had to just write. It was like I had to write stuff that 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 actually fit, <laughs> that I could spit in one take, you know, so it actually made me. That would be me... like,
3: just to, if I understand or remember, it's one take the whole song. Right?
2: Um, no, well, you could stop, but like, you know, we would, be, we would generally do a verse and then right. do the chorus because every time you come in, it's going to be like a different, you could hear, you know, if you try to punch between bars, you would hear a, oh! it, there's like a giant crackly sound of you coming in. So it's like, and we were mixing on this little thing that had a, you know, that has like a couple of slide bars. It's not like, and you're doing it in live time onto a cassette, another cassette tape so you have your master cassette that it was recorded to and then when you mix it down you you know remembering it to, you know make notes at 302 turn this down and you know you just like right, do it. Right. and you always fucking something up and then it, you know <laughs> then but it's like you do it 5 times and get the best one you can and that was the song you know and so that was and they were really rough and it's funny I just recently I took all of my, I had like my first 50 songs I recorded like that and when and then I remember when Pro Tools One came out, my older brother, I have an older half-brother that didn't grow up in the house with me. Lived in California, drummer, sick musician. I went out to stay with him when I was like 18 and took all my four-track recordings, brought, had him borrow my boy's four-track, put it on a plane, just so I could dump it into Pro Tools 1, the original Pro Tools. That's crazy. And the, that that one was trash, but it was the, my, my brother knew it was the wave of the future. Everybody knew they were right. like, I'm going to get nice. And they, yeah, they nah, like, you you know when yeah. you pay attention to the people who know those things. Right. So we dumped in all those tracks and then we actually we we mixed them and cleaned them up. So I, I had a little CD of like cleaned up, you know, of the best like five songs of that 50, you know, that right. that that I that I re- remastered or whatever. And then recently, I, during the pandemic, I went, you know, we just killing time. I I found all my old tapes. I was like, these are gonna these are like they're limited time on earth. I went to I went to PF Cutting's Crib out in East New York where I recorded. I was just like, yo, PF, I gotta dump it. Let's dump in all these. Stuff. So I dumped in like all my old Boy. high school records. Some of them were so it's funny because I had to let PF hear all these things. And some of these are like, you know, some of them he's like, yo. Giving me props, you had skills even back then. And some of them I listened to and they impressed me. And some of them I'm like, ooh, I, I still want to save it for the history, but for me to listen to. But it's right. like you're like, oh, that's a that's a joke right there. That's not serious. Oh right. man, like that's that. But it's part of yeah, the process but Like still, like
3: hats off to you for having done all that by that point, right? Like, because we're not talking about like even like the people who grew up in like the 90s, 2000s had a much easier time with this. Oh yeah! Right, like yeah, you're saying,
2: it, it's a total. It was a total shift right about then. Yeah, where it became, if you're if you're computer savvy, you can do everything on a computer. Or oh, the, the computer is the main thing. That's all yeah. you have to have now. And then, like a little preamp, a little uh, a good mic. Uh, you know, for like four or five hundred dollars plus the computer, you're set to make music that nobody in the world can tell you is not professional. You know, nobody's even like you know of the of even down to the pop stars what you hear is 50% big studio shit and 50% pro tools or whatever you know reason logic home setups computer setups because they always do two mixes and sometimes the big giant million dollar analog studio board mix wins and sometimes the home mix wins right. and it's and it's really 50, it's like a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. So half the shit you're hearing. Definitely is. And so, and all of our shit on our level is the, is the, is the computer uh, but, shit, but nobody knows. It's professional. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. if you can,
3: uh, if your engineer is good yeah. and understands how to deal with the environment yeah. you're recording in yeah. and that you're recording in a good environment, which yeah. isn't a costly environment. Right. It's just, you have to understand the basics good. of sound treatment and like,
2: a good, e- a good America. engineer is all you need. It's somebody with the um, knobs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to sit, <laughs>
3: Mike, like people yeah. be getting away with good recordings on like two hundred dollar mics.
2: Yeah.
3: And like, yeah. yeah, most people can't tell the difference, especially after Spotify and all that processes your
2: shit again. Yeah, it's just gonna get <laughs> squashed, and you know, if it's if it's turned to an MP three, it's like you and know, the motherfuckers will have like twelve dollar earbuds.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's <not> right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> yo, cause
3: when you make music, like you don't buy cheap headphones. It's like that's like nah, I can't have bad headgear. Right. And then you forget that most people in the world do not prioritize earphones like that. Right, They're right. like, nah, be the
1: fifty dollars ones is okay by me. And you're yeah, like, no, yeah. I mean, we're that. That's who the majority of like the people are in the world. They're like listening on shitty headphones. Nah, it's like yeah. you have to
3: do the iPhone six
1: test. That's what I call it. Yeah, I do iPhone <laughs> tests and and. Um, that's it, <laughs> but it's because, you know, it's one of those things where it's just like their, uh, Android doesn't need a, doesn't require a test, you know, um, well, I like- iPhone with all their specialized, you know, uh, settings requires a test. But even,
3: even then it's just like, you have to make sure that. Like nine times out of ten, especially in today's era, if you're showing somebody your song, how are you showing it to them? You're pulling out your phone right. and you're playing it on that speaker, right. so it don't matter how it sounds in like fucking proper headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What really matters is that you can sell somebody on your song on a shitty cell phone.
2: Right, right, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, it's a to- it's a new world, but. It's funny funny how it's like, you know, you upgrade and downgrade at the same time. We got the technology, but downgraded to MP3s, where we used to be playing music with literally more information in there, Mm -hmm. a fuller sound, and now we have the tech... Originally, those files were chosen because they couldn't fit regular song files Mm -hmm. on a computer. You'd have 10 songs on a computer before. Now, they can, kind of, but it's like, that's already the standard.
1: We got a shitty standard. It don't matter. We're going to... Just keep on running with that. Yeah. No, nah, absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of things that right now we're at the precipice of where it's just like, yo, is this really going to be like the standard that we're going to like? The Media Shower.
2: That was one of my albums. Me and my man Dub Sonata 10 years ago put out an album called Media, Media Shower. Yeah. And it was kind of like that as a play off that. And like the, the cover is like me and him with umbrellas chilling, but it's like, a shower of
1: T- cnn and you no know, it's it, like
2: old tvs radios phonographs like all different forms of media are raining on us right word, so we're word. like you know we're here just like but there's like people dead all over you know what i mean like
1: <laughs> word so
3: yeah you're like 18 in cali and you're recording everything in the
1: pro tools yeah and so this means that you're how deep in now how many projects in are you at this point so i, I hadn't put i hadn't well, so
2: I used to make tapes and sell them and just dub tapes and, like, draw a cover. And, uh, you know, maybe there's like a hundred of those that got circulated. You know, that would, I guess, technically be my first thing, you know. Um, and the group I had with my man and DJ, me, my man, Nick Andors, who was
1: um, back. And yes, by the way, that does, definitely does count. Yeah, like 100 yeah. copies is All right, so that's yeah. a lot back then when right. you're like something independently right, right. and like there's no um, major label like that's more that's right. way more than a demo right a lot of people just had a demo right. and that was it and a demo was not like mass produced right. at max it would get bootlegged amongst your friends and maybe you got cool enough that like outside of your friend groups like it started you know you were popping right. enough and though it, that might get bootlegged more, but like really, that was very rare, and you know, it was a demo, and that's it, right? right. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm like, so a hundred copies is very much so like a legitimate project.
3: Yeah. All right. So and like while I know it's not the same era, I'm doubtful that like most people out there could sell fifteen copies of an album right now.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it was it was a uh, you know. It was just like, uh, you know, our friend, whoever we saw, we kind of pushed it on. And then, and then we had our extended, you know, my man's little, I, I met, I've met people in modern times. I met a friend of a friend a couple of years ago who was like, yo, wait, you're double AB. He's like, I have your tape. Like he pulled it out and he you know, came into right. his crib and pulled it out. He's like, yeah. And, and it's my man's little brother sold it to him signed as me. It wasn't me. You, it wasn't. It wasn't me, but it was my. Album. It was the same album circulating. He had like a funny. Nut. And they, they were like little, like funny pranksters. Anyway, it was probably like a joke to him, you know. But and he made his own cover for it and everything. Like Word. so, each one had its own unique piece of art attached to it. Right, which is so rare. That's like the illest drop. That's now. The, you so, know, it's like so now people would do big a flex. fly like big flex, big flex, right? Well, so you
3: back then, not a, you had people taking your album and bootlegging it with unique art impersonating you right bro that is a flex super flex so, I don't know uh, how many people have that problem <laughs> yeah
2: exactly very cool shout out to, to Willie and and Jimmy snafu um and um yeah so that was that was my first that that so that's technically the first music I put out you know very small reach though um and then uh I put out um it really wasn't until 2002. When I I had been shopping my stuff, so I almost I was talking to um I did the Blaze battles, which were big. They for Blaze magazine, which was a subsidiary of Vibe, but it was short lived. It only lasted for a couple of years, maybe. The, did you do the first
1: year that Ph and um, yeah. RZA and Capadonna
2: were on? Yep. I did, the, I did the second one. I was in. I wasn't. Oh, in the, the very year first. after. So I did, I
1: did, two, I did, I do two or three. Cause I, I think Capadonna, Rizza, and they were, PH in, the were in the first year. The first year. Yeah. And the PH first, was early, first year was, in... was on HBO, if I'm not mistaken.
2: No, that was a little later. That was, that was maybe like this. That was, that was the end of it, basically. When they, HBO was like the last hurrah of the mag. Word. Yeah. So I did, um, I think it, it must have lasted maybe two years because I did the year anniversary one. The first one I did was in Tramps, and I battled Sea Ray's walls. Word, and it was like one of the most decisive victories in my whole battle career. The crowd went nuts, and fucking um, uh, Breeze Everflowing won it. Mm. Um, before that, the very first one it was Young Z and Pre the Honey Dark in the in the in the finals, and we were in the second one, and PH was in the same one I was in. other believe, and that's how I met PH, and that's how me and PH became cool. Word. And I would did Press I went back bro. to do a grind. PH that the last battle I did was a grind time for PH because PH used to hit me like every
1: six months wait, on well, a dot event. Because I'm like I was battling for him back then.
2: So um, a grind time in in Greenpoint in this tiny little uh, clothing shop in Greenpoint.
1: Oh, that was probably the um the uh one that Mzilla and DNA battled at, or maybe Swave was Swave was in there with me. Maybe that was the one that I'm not sure, but yeah, that I already know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that and and you know, PH had been like you know hitting me up, and I kind of I kind of had left him behind, like because you know that was. And mind you, the battles we were doing in the Blaze battles were different than the modern. Different format. Yeah, different it format. Was for,
1: it was freestyle more so. Free, right. Or, now,
2: it's funny because I started when we would do, when we would have rap battles in high school, it was more like the modern thing where you, it's like, you come tomorrow in the lunchroom, I'll come with a rhyme and you come with a rhyme and then we're going to do it and we're going right. to see what the crowd reaction is. Right. But, you know, then it became in, in that era, I was doing the freestyle battles that were like mostly freestyles. And you would, you'd mix your written bars in with it, but
1: you, you oh, had yeah. to look like a freestyle yeah, yeah. It looked, it looked, it, to, it sounded and felt more freestyle. And, more freestyle. and that was what we were all geared to right. doing more. But I kind of liked it. It
2: was because even though it was so, it, it allowed you to like dap up your partner more easy because it was just like, you didn't snap and even, even break. You're just breaking on what a, what a man looks like in the moment, you know, in his gear. It wasn't as deep as, like, as like the battles get where, you know, I remember to this day doing that one, and then and I battled a kid named um, Friday the 13th. Shout out to him. A kid from... from uh, Hello, Fire Name. Yeah, dope <laughs> name, right? I, I was in not you know, more rappers trying to be a Friday the 13th. It's but he it's was It's bad SEO value
3: of uh, the modern uh, but he's market. But he was a kid
2: from... Um, from Rhode Island, and so, you know, immediately PF starts sending me his, his Facebook link, his, he's telling me, like, oh, if I'm like, I'm like, all right, what, what you, what? what you telling him about me, bro, like, I'm like, what, did, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, what, and so, you know, and it was funny, and I, and then I was like, but what do I really have on him, and, and, you know, and so it was like. You know, he's a skinny dude from Rhode Island. So I had mad skinny
1: jokes. Skinny about Rhode and Island. Rhode Island jokes. That's it. Like, that's it.
2: You know, and so. What and else were you supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then, I, you know, a bunch of like, you know, kind of, I, I OD'd on it. Uh, both of us actually did OD on the the gay homophobic jokes, which are less. Back they, then. They didn't age as well. Then. Right. Yeah, yeah. Back then it was more a thing. But now, you know, I see it now and I'm like, all right, that was, that was distasteful. But like, so, but, you know, and that's even, the judges even then were like, that was like a little too much of that. And so, but it was like, what do you say? Those were kind of just inane joke. Like, if I make a gay, it's almost like, you know, this dude's not gay. This is a gay, this is, I'm just emasculating you. It's a generic, yeah. it's a generic emasculation. Yeah. Because this is a contest, right? Yes. And it's a way, it's almost a way that's almost more lighthearted, even though it's not, you know, if you're Obviously, right. the gay dude watching it taking offense is different, but, yeah. but it wasn't meant as that. So, yeah. So anyways, like, you know, but yeah, so it was like, I just, it, it, after a while, it was like taking the time to that month leading up to it. I'm just, all my bars are like focused on another rapper in a negative way. And it's like, I had to just study and I can't, it's not, I can't make those rhymes songs or that didn't become anything. You know what I mean? It was that day. Right. It's cool, I mean, you know. But so that's kinda of my infatuation with battling fell out in the new era kinda of with that and I was just like eh. and I respect it and I love it too. Like, you know, shout out to my man Swave, who's one of the most yeah. incredible, you know, battlers right. out there still doing it. And um but and I and I appreciate the art, but yeah, it just made me kinda of be like, Alright, like I'd rather it just like it started to epitomize like everything is like it it was just too deep and I saw who did it, I think. <laughs> Yo, in that same battle, the last battle I did, I saw, I think this guy Cortez came, or was it him? Or if somebody that was battling on that night dissed their opponent and found a picture of their opponent. Oh, the one with illegal. Was that it? Yeah. And yeah. He, they found him in like a dress or something online. Mm-hmm. And he printed a. He printed a fucking. <laughs> and then he had a. So he, he at the moment that he hit the bar, he just takes the you know it takes the veil off the, the picture off the picture and it's like this dude in a dress it's like it was like the our version of the Jay-Z Summer Jam screen yeah, basically yeah, yeah. and it was like i was like oh it was so brutal seeing it live i was like yo but i was also like damn you spent like eighty five at Kinko's. You see? Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he spend, he did that CD and spend, he did spend like yeah. eighty five at, yeah, at Kinko's? Yeah you spent eighty five at Kinko's. Like I, you know, I don't know how it fit. was it fair? I don't know, but it, it
2: worked. You know? I guess it, it, it's a war, anything's fair and it it was like one of the most brutal things I'd seen in the battle up to that point. I was like, yo this guy brought the nah, it definitely, He brought visual like now that now it's all been done to this yeah, now, yeah. to this point. Tag yeah, team it's expanded. It's ex- oh, it's
1: a it, whole I world. I think that it think that that all was born right. Like the switch actually happened. I think, in my opinion, um, around Fight Club, which was yeah, in yeah, between yeah. the Blaze battles yeah. and um, and Grind Time. Fight Club that's is right. what made Fight it Club all because when, awesome, I Fight Club, when I went to Fight Club, when I went to Fight Club, I remember um, uh, I freestyle battled the. The, my, like, my trial battle to get on the show. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was roasting, dude, you know, and and I had the cameraman laughing. And afterwards, International P came over to me. He was like, Yo, don't ever come in here freestyling again. And I was like, What? I was like, Son, I just killed it though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I knew I killed it. Like, you know, you kill it if the cameraman is laughing. Right. You know what I mean? Cameraman is laughing. That's it. Let me I had the cameraman thing. I had the cameraman laughing and his own people was right. laughing at him right. and themselves because I was making fun of him and his people standing behind them and they were laughing at what I was saying. Right. So that's how I knew I was killing it. And for International Peter say that afterwards, I was just like, damn and I thought about it, I was like, damn, yo, uh freestyling is dead for me. Because like I had because I had already gotten established in into like a a role of like, yo, I don't really freestyle at the studio. It's paid time. I'm paying for this yeah, time. Yeah, like, I'm not here to play games. You know what I mean? Like, I'm coming with a planned song and, and a planned you know, everything. Right. So, like uh, like, really the, it's not like I'm freestyling here. I'm not using freestyling here. And then battles where I was still using freestyling. I'm not using it there. So, it became one of those, like, I guess when, like, I'm with my peoples and we start you know freestyling, but then like that becomes less and less as you get older, right? And right. it just became one of those things where it's just like it's just the art that just died off for me. You it's, know what I mean? It's hard. It's a to blade flex. that I didn't keep sharp.
2: Right. You know I feel the same. way. It's funny because I feel the same way. And yo, literally last night I went to film "Rap Is Out of Control" with DJ Eclipse and Riz, and I hadn't. have been on this. I've been on Eclipse's show a bunch of times. Used to have halftime at NYU. I used to go all the time. And I hadn't been to the serious one in years that he has. And so he just, and then obviously was shut. He had no guests for two years during COVID or whatever. He just had started having guests back. And he invited me. He just hit me out the blue. I got the new record I'm promoting. Perfect. And it's with Big Zoo and Propane from EO Dub. Oh. Oh, cool. And, but I think, so now in retrospect, I see, I know Eclipse was was. I think he wanted us to freestyle on the radio, and so we basically, so and we you know we always do a freestyle at the end, but it's sometimes like a you know it's like up to you, you know. You right, spit right. some bars, we want to hit some bars, and I usually do like a little. I always blend it. I do. I am known for going off the top, so I like to incorporate off the top stuff. But some, but I like to do like a big meat and potatoes or something I wrote because that's like I right. And then, like, like you said, it's a muscle. And lately, I'm more chilling in the you know yeah. you're not you're not flexing the freestyle not, muscle. If you, if you
1: don't if you don't keep that blade sharp, right. It's not it's not gonna cut when it's time to right
2: right. And I kind of like I just want to like it doesn't freestyle or written doesn't matter much to me. I just want to come off good right either way. So,
1: so it's I didn't... more important to show appreciation for what you're doing, and therefore have something written and prepared. Right. Right. So well, I go I mean, in
2: with two of the best freestylers, you know, in the game, and and um and Eclipse is like, all right, at the end, this is what I want. You know, you guys, I'll give you like you spend one verse or whatever, but he's like, I really want you to just go four bar, four bar, four bar freestyles. And like, can you do that? I was like, all right, man. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah, tell yeah. him no. Yeah. But, and, and 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 we did it and it came off. But so right before, was that? That's before, actually the after? most ideal
1: circumstance for somebody who hasn't and been yeah, exactly. It's like you got four You got four. You, you got, got four. four. You, you can got four. Even right. if you, through right. four, you can slouch through four, you could slouch through four and get away with it. I got away with it. They and, and you could and be a palate cleanser between two guys who are really right, going right, at right, it, right? Right, <laughs> right,
2: And so I, I still, I don't think I, I think I did enough right. not even to be a palate. Nobody palate knew. Cleanser. I, right, think, right. I, right. I think it went smooth. It sounded smooth. To me,
1: Back in the days. Inwardly, now.
2: though, I know I could have spent right, that, right. you know what I mean? Because it's like you inwardly know, like, especially for me off the top, it's like, it's hard to turn on also in that situation, too. Like, two hours of sitting here talking, um, mic break every half hour to play playing mute. It's very, you know, kind of corporate. You're not, it's a headphone here. You're not really like, right. it's not like you're jamming with your boys and smoking an L and the beat comes on it. And, and also, then, and,
1: you, and then you jump in when you want it when and you're want,
2: hungry for oh, it's it. It's like boxing. It. You know, right. If I get in the ring and spar, you know what the worst torture is? Running in the gym late and somebody's waiting for you to spar and just doing five minutes of jump rope but not getting... I need 20 minutes before I get in the ring with anybody. And if I get in the ring after 10 minutes, I start that first round is torture. And it's the same almost with rap. It's like... But I could fudge it more with rap and nobody no, knows. I, but, I know. but it's like, you're not, if you if you don't have the sweat going, it's, it's not going to be, it's hard, it's hard, you know what I mean? We were jump just, in.
1: In the conversation that we were just having, I was citing how like, as I get older, I feel like I see the rhythm of life more. Mm. I feel the rhythm of life more. I know the ends. I know when to jump in, when to not. I know when to slow up, when to speed, when to right. speed up. Right. And, and general for life, period, you know? And I'm, I, I was saying that it feels probably akin to what like a boxer feels like when they're in the ring and they got their rhythm. And you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like you can see the punches coming. You're, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. you, you, you feel it in your body. Your body's moving in a way that, and it, Intuition. it's, it's, it's and muscle, muscle memory, right? And, and you also can't rush that type of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't rush it. And you can't. Um, it's looking crazy Ooh. out
3: there. I'm sure y'all heard that one. Yeah, I don't seen know how that much that y'all heard was, on this one, but I was like, like, like the building lit up back there, like it was daytime for a quick second.
1: Wow. Yeah, no, nah, it went blue. Um, but so you know, it's just one of those things where like you know, if you see a rhythm of light, and I'm, I'm sure that like boxing is also like the same type of thing where like you have that, and so you don't want to go in rushed. Not getting your, like, right. not giving yourself your proper, the way that you know to enter the ring the right way. Right. You rush anything in life is usually not going to come out right. Right, right. You know? Right. And there's something to be said about just like
2: starting. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like anything. You gotta, you gotta do your stretch and get into it. You know, it's like, and there's a way to jump into it if you can just jump. And, you know, I think guys like, like Zoo and Pro are so good at jumping because they've, Cause they've got it to a science where they they know how to go into chorus mode, and it actually helps when Does, you, when you absolutely. when you stop. Cause there's gonna be a point where you're getting less clever in a set. You can't. You're not gonna freestyle the best forever. You're gonna go through a little lull and come back. Yep. Right. And it's the a bars. That, even it's if you're coaster. great, you'll make something that rhymes and fits, but it's just not. It's not the at, greatest. At one
1: point or another, or. The greatest, the, right. the the literal greatest freestylers have we'll those right. things where it's just like eh. the greatest
2: writers. I mean, it's hard to yes. even just keep writing Absolutely. stuff that's good to make every bar clever and good Absolutely. is and resonate with human beings is not to and not say some generic cliche has been said every a million times. Shit is actually hard. So if you can do it off the cuff or written. It's a nope. thing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, yeah. but yeah, doing yeah, that doing thing.
3: Doing it off the dome, like the only people I know who can really like, you know, do song quality off the domes are the people who probably rap five hours a day off the dome.
1: Right. right. Every,
3: Well like, I, you know, it's like
2: you get to that point where it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, just in your, in your shit. And that's what, that's, so at the end of it, that's what Eclipse said. He's like, I brought you guys here specifically Cause you guys are my favorite freestylers. Rap Word. I was like, "Yo, I'm in this room. Like, and and I know, and I know when I'm in my zone, I'm nice. But it's funny because I was going there not wanting to freestyle." Right, I was right, like, right, right, right. I, mean, I don't even want to freestyle. Were like,
1: you were like, I got this written, I got you. Right, right. I, I came prepared for it. Yeah, you. yeah. And, they're like, and he's like, he's like, get, throw get, get, away all that preparation. Give me yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah, have yeah. right
2: now. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely wanted, he's like, okay, get your writings out the way and have yeah. for some freestyles. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, and, but you know, it's like, are you going to like, that's dope that somebody that, that, that's, you know, of that caliber and has a dope show and been doing it for so many years would think that, uh, you know, of me, I was, I'm like, yo, all I could do is take it as right. a compliment and be like, hey, that's in my chamber. And, and yeah. hey, it, it, that's dope. And I know it's funny too, cause it's like, I've been like less confident on the freestyle shit lately, but it made me be like, all right, I got it in me. And they I know, got,
1: now you just like, I just yeah. gotta rededicate myself. It's yeah. just literally that. You just gotta sit yeah. there and sharpen yeah. the blade yeah. again. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You know, a, it'll come it's, back. It's, it's like, like riding a
2: bike. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there'll be a moment like if I'm, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, I, you know. Sometimes you just there's certain moments when you, where it's easier to access it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like, you know, but
3: that's fair, fair. Yeah.
1: So, Blaze battles after the Blaze battles. Where, where were you? At like, where were you? Matter of fact, during the Blaze battles, where were you at? In the musical career, like what album were we what are we talking about? Um how many albums did we? week? I was pre album. So, so that's why I brought them projects. up because my man who actually
2: was my first housemate was uh my homie Noah Callahan Bever, who went on to, you know, uh he was he was working he he originally was uh, like an intern with Ego Trip magazine. Then he worked with Blaze. He's the one who got me in I I got into the first blaze as an alternate, and oh, offer of one week preparation, he just he's like, "Hey, you want to come down and be? I, I could think I could get you in there, but I don't know if you your battle. But just come, just in case somebody doesn't show up." And I was like, "I," and I showed I'll up continue. and they like jump in, and I and I you know I had like one good. If I had more time, I could have made it through the. I I I feel like I could have won that at that point, you know. Work. But it wasn't. I, I you know I had a I only had a certain amount of like you know stack ammo, but um you know. So I, so I ended up, um, he was the, um, he was an A&R in that era for a brief time with, um, stimulated, what was it called? I guess it was Dante Ross's label, but stimulated dummies was his production team. But I think the label was called something else. I'm trying to remember the name. But they had a few rap acts. They had Cellar Dwellers and Casual on his second run around. And they kind of scooped up a lot of those like middle kind of underground rappers of the, of that era, late nineties. And so, um, and so I, I ended up in the, in the studio with, um, Operator M's, who back then was DJ M's, who used to be, I think he used to work at Death Row and Interscope. And, um, you know, he'd been in the game forever. Had some LA experience as well as some New York Bronx hip hop OG, and I would go to his crib in like Kingsbridge and make demos on the weekends. And so I was kind of like hoping to get signed by them, but they never
1: offered me a deal or anything. But I was kind of like, but it's always weird when you think something's gonna like it feels right, natural. Right. Everybody here clearly feels like, and it doesn't happen. I'm waiting like- for somebody to put me out. That's what I'm waiting. I'm like, I'm dope.
2: i I've, I've shown I'm dope. I've been in these big battles and, you know, and sign me up, you know, and then I was in the, and then I was in the empty big, first big MTV battle. Well, first I was in the direct effect battles and then I was in.
1: With the uh, zoo? After zoo, I battled zoo. Breeze and
2: Breeze, Breeze beat me. Yep. Right. And I was, you know, trying to dethrone Breeze. and all these three,
1: things are all. It was yeah. three people. It's all this perspective. is guest list yep. alumni. After <laughs> Eight
2: Mile, they did a different, a real battle, and I, I was in that one too. And they had a riot outside in Times Square before it went down, just for the sign up. It was insane. Yeah, bro. nah, I believe Dash it. That shit was crazy, it, bro. Fucking. But the first one they did, they're like, oh yeah, battle, battle, yeah, battle of the bands. Yeah, th- you three guys battle. It's like, no, you fucking idiots. There's a thing called a rap battle. They didn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. three of you will battle 30 seconds each. And, you know, so that's what it was. And so, you know, it was even like, you know, I had to kind of, you know, try to like, I, I definitely, you know, came at Breeze very hard. Cause I, you know, but he had the he had at the after me slot. So it's like, he he got me. You know what I mean? But that's my man. Shout out to Breeze. Yeah. Um and so, you know, and and I remember you know, poison pet in the front row, like amping the fucking audience up, you know? Mm-hmm. Who's my other homie. Um now, you know, but back then I'm like, ah, oh, these motherfuckers, like <laughs> you know? And so um, yeah, that was uh I wasn't putting music out until I finally put music out myself in O two. And oh, that man. was my and that was my first album. And so I put that out and then, and then, yeah, I just started, you know, selling CDs kind of out the trunk, if it were. But, you know, we got on a, I was fucking with uh, Vast and Vortal from Cannibal Ox and they had a lot of good things going. They put out an album in '01, I believe, Cold Vein, that's like every time, vibe, herb, any of these magazines do a hundred best like rap lists. The best indie rap record, they have like the title, you know, as far as like, right. you know, the people are concerned, obviously. And all these titles are like, right, you know, whatever. But, but they got like this fucking very popular record. So, you know, I, I was lucky enough to just tour the world with my homies doing shows and stuff. And as that was getting popular, I, we got like, you know, we, we got slots like opening for Jizza and Wu-Tang and got on some bigger tours that had, you know, bigger sponsors and, I would sell a lot, a lot of albums, of um, uh, my first album, just based. It's funny, based on like material that I had later, but it's like I didn't, I didn't, you know. It's like all I had was was this album, and I ended up just selling a shitload of them, you know, a shitload to me, a few thousand copies, but you know, mm-hmm. and and but it was, it taught me that being an opener on a tour, if you have a good stage show. You can smash the sales of the people you're opening for because nobody has your shit. And especially back then, it was a little, the mystery was still a little more like, it was a little more unique to just it. where am I right. gonna find this person? He's here, he has his album, I need it now. Right. You know? And um, I just sold a shitload of uh, CDs on tour. It was great. You know, I would make like, you know, I would make whatever show money and then I, you know, I'd, every night at least, you know, Extra three to five hundred in fucking sales, like fucking awesome. And so it was, it was going very good. And then we actually, I saw a hit when the fucking uh, when the when in like the '08 um, market crash, our shows like slowed down. Like, once them just full economy, like indie musician blues. Like we were doing tours like a few times a year, and that's when we made our real money. You know, do like a month-long tour, like three times a year, and just you know, bang out shows. You know, bang out thirty shows. You know, across the country. Right. And And like usually
1: pays for bills for a few months. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so, and then you know, I was doing my other thing on the side, and it was it was good, you know. But like, you know, that shit really that was so that that was like a setback to me, and then you know, I kind of got discouraged for a bit, but then you know. I've had waves with the with, with being in love with putting out music and not. And now I'm on the current wave of like I wasted so much time being like emo about my music and my place in the music world and it's like you have no control over it. You got to just say your piece as an artist and let your art speak for itself and just keep putting right. your art out. It doesn't matter if it finds an audience. It'll find an audience. It might be when you're fucking dead. Might be You might be a Van Gogh, but if you know you're dope, you know, Van Gogh knew enough to put paint to to, to canvas, and it was dope enough that a whole school of motherfuckers love him. Is he a better artist than, than Picasso? Who's better? That's a matter of taste. They're both dope.
1: Yeah, but, nah, it's all a matter of but, opinion.
2: Right. Picasso was paid in his lifetime.
1: Right, Picasso
2: right. would go to a cafe, sign a so I do a doodle on a napkin and pay for his meal like that. You right. know what I mean? And they'd be like, they'd really be coming yeah, yeah. off more than. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah big fat. I went to a fucking, I went to a gallery in San Francisco one time and it was all doodles, Picasso and shit like that. That, right. that You know, little, and they were selling for like, one of the cheapest Picasso doodle you're going to buy is like a quarter million dollars,
1: right? Right. You're not spending less than, like, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like come on, bro. <laughs> 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 All right, so now we're, uh, we're, like, probably,
3: uh, I don't know, are we in the 2010s? 2010s? Yeah,
1: shit, now we're pushing along,
2: 2010s, so, yeah, 0- 05, I put out a mixtape called Blazing and the Muse that had, uh, my man Don Pacino from Killer Army, Wu-Tang, Work. Killer B on it, um, and, uh... Vast and a bunch of other folks that I fuck with. Um, then I put out, um, The Diesel, which is another album of mine in 08. That was
1: my next big project. And then, um, Media Shower, which I told you, which was like 2012.
2: So, and a Media Shower was, Media Shower I signed with, uh Man Bites Dog Records down in Virginia. And I got introduced to them through my partner Vast, who put an sure. album out with them. that um, they used to do Rock Marcy? That's the most famous because Rock, Rock Marcy was on the label, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you know, I got you know, I I got a song and video with Marcy from then, and which was big, you know. And we shot that out in fucking hot in um, in LA in Hollywood at the um, at Shamrock Social Club. You know what that is? It's a Famous tattoo spots where biggie got his last tattoo the night before he died, and you know
1: wait uh in- B- in l a
2: yeah,
1: no, uh, never I mean, we
2: shot a whole bit they let us we showed up, we were supposed to shoot on a roof or some shit that was that like the cameraman used to have access to this lot, but we were kind of like not mm-hmm. supposed to be there, and it got shut down that day, and we were actually with apathy too, the rapper, and he was like, yo. I know them over at, and shout out to Apathy for this because we had no place to shoot. And Apathy was like, yo, I know them at at Shamrock Social Club. Let's go. I'm going to call them. Yeah, they're cool with it. Go in. They're tattooing people. He got a tattoo. They're giving him a tattoo. Like some boating shit because it's like some symbol of him and his pops, like always love the ocean. He's getting a boat tattoo. It's me and Rock Marcy smoking an L and, and, and drinking Henny and fucking... And rapping and doing this video right in front of them and shooting pool like while they fucking have a regular work day. It was fucking great. And just, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that, that all worked out. But yeah, so I started fucking with Man Bites Dog Records and you know and that, and that album we put a lot of effort into. We got some good guests on it. We got Rock Marcy, we got Sean Price, Scram Jones, Rhyme Fest. Um Cannibal Ox evidence. Um, it's just and and we had you know we had some really good videos well, who, who are of yeah who's indie thing. yeah exactly it was like an indie star studded kind of like you know thing that we did and it was dope and you know and um, yeah it was just so actually we we about to put out the ten year um, edition that has remixes and alternate versions so. We got a diff, we got an alternate verse from Rhymefest, or, And I had a different verse that I put on initially. So there's no. a, we put that on. We got remixes from Bronze Nazareth for the Sean P joint and the evidence joint. Put that on. You know, we got a blockhead did a remix of the, of the, of the Rock Marciano joint. Put that on. So we have a whole alternate and, and we calling it alternate media because one is media shower. So we got the alternate media album. Drop it on the ten year anniversary, just as a little like you know, right. little nod to. That's it. But that you know, it's funny that one. So then I put out after that, I put out True Romance, which I dropped in 2014 on Valentine's Day, which was actually the day my great aunt died, right before her hundredth birthday. She didn't quite make it to a hundred. She was like ninety nine and three quarters. That's a
1: that's
2: that's a hundred. Right, that's a hundred. But it just you know. So then I didn't release music for a long time. I was just in a kind of, you know, depression funk with the music and just kind of bitter about some of it. And just you know, I just kind of and depressed on my own shit. Like even like I said, my aunt was like my best friend, and like spiritual guru. She had a real like channeling of inner peace and a way to achieve it, which I try to emulate as much as I can. And it's funny because her brother. My great uncle, who I wasn't as cool with, was an actual guru who has like a a, continues to have followers. This thing called the Sedona method, it's a self help like thing. But he, I swear to God, he wrote about it and got rich about it. I think it was my aunt's like personal philosophies, but she was like the wise fool. She didn't need to have any of that. She's like, I'm. yeah, I don't care. I travel the world. I have a nice crib. I don't need to be rich. I don't care about things. I care about travel and you know what I mean? So she just lived a fly life of non-attachment and happiness. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And he kind of blew up off it. You know what I mean? So, you know, her dying put even I expected it my whole life. She was 65 when I was born. So it's like me getting tight with her was like she was grooming me for her to do. She's like, I'm gonna die one day. Don't be sad. You know, it's I'm gonna it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, 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 You know what I mean? But I'm like, you know, even knowing
2: that, there's nothing that could prepare you. And it I expected her to die way earlier. We're like, holy shit, she just keeps going. Like we, I mean, like, like, and so in the last couple of years she had like a little stroke, it got harder. She was less, she had to have an attendant take. She never left the crib, luckily. We had to have the home attendant in there taking kids. She was, you know, she's used to being like independent her whole life. So she was ready to go, you know, but, but, uh, you know, it was still traumatic to lose her. You know what I mean? And it put me into like a multiple long depression, just trying to like function without that stability and that like key member of the, like she was in my whole family everybody's best friend is probably her you know what i mean like right. everybody would say the same like you know who who do you tell your secret it would be her you know what i mean like that right. she'll talk to everybody and just has a way everybody's way. confident yeah exactly so it was just like a big kind of like thing but and then in, in a way though it was even iller for me because i was the one that was like her and my uncle's kid in a way Right. And so, like, I, they molded me the most. I came out like them. Right. My, my younger brother, he's kind of like more like my pops. He's yeah, yeah. more, he belongs more than my mom and pops. He's like, you know, I'm kind of more like my aunt and
1: uncle, you know, so. Nah, I can, right. I can, uh, I can feel it. I, I came out more like my uncle. Right. There you go. When, Somebody in the, end. Yeah, yeah. It's you, always easier to yeah, relate to the uh, uncle, too. Uh, anyway, you know, my little sister came out more like my mom. My right. older brother came out more like my dad. You know, yeah. that's, that's, how, that's how it usually is. Yeah, right? like, yeah, yeah. It gets spread out. It's <laughs> yeah, not all, yeah. Not everybody's going to be mom and dad. Somebody's going to end up being like the cool uncle. Right. Protégé. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I was the cool uncle protégé because my uncle was like the weed smoking. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the first movie he put me to watch was Warriors. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You like, the uncle the soldier warrior. That's your man for life. <laughs> for life. For life. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, facts, dude. Right, so...
3: So I, now, um, when did this like comic book song, Lyric Vision, I think you called Lyric, it? So
2: Lyric Vision is the actual... Yo, and I was trying to think of my own phrase. I'm so glad you said that. I was on the radio last night. Like, what is the name of my own shit? I couldn't remember Lyric Vision. I I invented it. I'm like, what do I call this shit again? What fucking bullshit term did I say? (laughs) Fucking lyric vision, yes. But that's the concept of nobody really did it. Like, I I can't believe nobody did this before me, but nobody really did this. And they will be doing this. But it's word for word. Every word in this comic is just the lyrics of the song. I make a song that tells Mm -hmm. a story. And then you just read along with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you could literally play the song and read along or, you know, read it and then and then listen. Or I have all the art animated as a as a fully animated video as well, along with the music. So you can scan the QR code on the back or in the inside flat and yeah, it'll take up? you right to the website and you get to see also, the video.
3: Link links below. It'll be linked yeah. below. Yeah,
1: yeah. In so yeah. these links, we're gonna and we'll get any. Yo, um, it's any, really any media that you have that you want to share. I will include it in yeah. the video. Here's a bunch like, of my music on here.
2: Actually, I have a good. The back of it has a bunch of my albums on there. Work. You know, so yeah. So uh, honestly, yeah, this... it's
3: a really cool concept. Like I listened to the song mm-hmm. and then I read the comic after. And that was cool because, like, I like just heard the song, right? And, like, I didn't realize then, you could just download the song. Like, I'll say word, right? So then I'm like, okay, he said it was gonna be, and then I'm like looking at each panel, and I'm like, say a fucking word. It's like bar for a bar, bar for bar, and then like you, it's visually representing and adding this layer to the story. Right, where you it's get a like, different
2: visual. That's why, like, there's a specific part in the end. Like with the feds kicking the door down of the of the parents that my man added with the with with the visuals that's happening while the dude's giving the speech in the end. So it's not gonna make sense if you don't know the story. But right. like, there's a whole element that happens while somebody's giving a speech, and you you can read the speech as a speech but bar, can, but so you're you seeing, seeing something that's not being spoken right, about. That's not being spoken. He added. Something that happened in the story, right? By just in in visual panels, right? right? And it and so it's crazy that it's like it shows how each medium is its own thing. It yeah. brings extra dimensions, Absolutely. right? So, it, but it's beautiful. It's part of the beauty of it, and it just like it's so crazy. But like, even
3: like looking at the music video version compared to the comic, it's not the same experience. It's
2: not the same experience at all because reading is a different type of. It's it's different than a than a quick rapid fire bar pace. Rapid Fire Bar Pace is going to tell you the story in as quickly as you can get it, right? Right. And you can absorb it that way. And if you pay attention, you'll get it. But this way allows you to really take the time and absorb and get and fully Mm -hmm. understand the story. And that's what I was trying to do. Like, I wrote it. I write these. And I have, now mind you, I only have one issue printed, but I have a dozen of these recorded. Right. So... They, they're basically ready to go. Wait, you have how many prints? I just have one just the issue. One, the yeah. one, issue. What, one issue. But you have 12, 12. 12 songs that are in the, so far, ready, that for, this ready, ready, for, ready for art treatment, right? What, and you know, I have an order, and it's going to be like, um, the, most of these, except there's only going to be, you're only going to realize it's, it's all in the same world. And there, there will be—it's like Pulp Fiction or something. You're going to realize there are characters that are related to each other, that are siblings that have different stories that actually connect. And there's there'll be stuff like that in it as it expands. I that's pretty amazing. Yeah, Horror. and so, but I want it to be like my goal is movie level. I think of these as movies or like an HBO show, and that's how I write them. At, at, you know, I'm seeing them more as the comic than a rhyme. I don't want to use too much slang in the rhyme. I want it to be something that you can read on a paper and understand universally. Somebody that doesn't understand hip hop needs but, to be able to read it as a comic and say,
3: "Oh, okay." That, that's what I was thinking too, right? Like yeah. it takes your ability as a writer, and it just transcends the music, right? Yeah. Like you could, because your song is actually the twist at the end of your song. It's really interesting. Like, hey, thank it to- you. I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if you yeah. want to be spoiled.
1: <laughs> no, no, don't. I mean, yeah, maybe it's, not. Maybe no, not. Maybe yeah, maybe like, let's, let's, go, let's leave him a, a product so, to sell. No, so to saying, like, that's what I'm saying. That's,
3: but like, it's like, it's, it was really cool. And then, but then like, it works just as a standalone story. Because you know, there's people that just don't like hip hop. So they're right. never they're never going to bump the song just on some. I don't like that.
2: doesn't sound pleasing to my ear. I don't but like somebody they, like... But, but they, they like can the read art. this and yeah, they can say, mm-hmm. wow, this is powerful. And that you can tell a powerful story. This one is actually a little more about like... It's a little more political. And most of them are more like crime noir stories. Right, right. This one is... But there's another one that has to do with maybe... Gun control kind of that's that could be political also but that but more there this one is the most kind of in that world, but they all kind of uh the commonality in most every single one is they all have a twist ending and that's my shit and and it's I want genuine surprise shock good like twist ending that really hits you and i that's what I'm trying to achieve the 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 crime noir twist ending story told in a rap slash comic. And to a level that feels like a Tarantino movie. Right. You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm going for. And I not to pat myself on the back, but I feel like it took me a long time to get there. But I achieved that aesthetic in my writing. But it took me a hell of a long time. So I had a song on The Diesel which has the very first tale from the third rail that I consider of my stories in that vein of that, these kind of... And I thought I couldn't do it. I had four... So a few of these have four verses because it's hard to squeeze in. Right. I'm trying to squeeze this into yeah, three no, with a, with a
1: descriptive story, you're going to... How can, gonna, can you... you
2: that gonna, was my biggest problem. Six, How can I tell... Sixteen are going to be pretty confining. Right. 16 bars... Two or three of those? I'd probably just go with
1: 232s Right, part of the right, day. Right. right I right. mean, when you look at a lot of the, you know, best storytelling that has happened across history, a lot of it doesn't follow a a, a verse format. And there's a lot Whoa. of warning from Biggie. Right, right. Right. Like, uh what, well, what this the good
2: the good storytellers have to be short. And I learned that, you know what I did? I read short stories by the illest short story author who is fucking Roald Dahl. You know who that is? He's famous for writing...
3: The Peach the, pe- the
2: The, 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 James, G- and the James, Gi- Gi- James and the Giant Peach. The BFG. The Witches. All these kids books. What? He wrote children's books when he was in his 80s. When he was... Up until then he was a sh- horror short story writer. So he wrote horror stories that were super brief. And sometimes they just be a page or two pages. But he I see the paintbrush, the way you the way you paint, it's like you give very specific details of your characters that allow you to know them. Right. No bogeys in here, bro. So, no.
1: Oh yo, you gotta oh you gotta, Okay, <laughs> go
2: ahead. <laughs> um so uh yeah, you know, it's all about it's all about the little details that let you know somebody quick. You mm-hmm. give somebody three details. You could say, like, this guy smokes this cigarette, does this, does this. this. What's the essence of that person, and how do you convey it just in one, by the shirt they're wearing? You know what right. I mean? But you have to say it. This guy's wearing the type of shirt, and he's the type of guy that doesn't give a fuck. You could tell by the way he wears the shirt. Can you? But you can't. You know, there's some... Right. You gotta yeah. find that thing for everybody. To say quoi. Right about the character. Right, right, and so if you learn to paint in that language, and it's it's funny because it's stuff that I noticed and I took in, and I just started. You just start writing the stories, and some of it is like it's almost like freestyling. You know, you're like, where the fuck did that come from? It's like I had it in me. I was trying to tell that, but you know, it it's yeah. just kind of comes out sometimes once you get once you try to practice it and aim for it. But that first one. It I wrote it took me like a year or two to write it. I put it down. I was like, I'll never write it's gonna be an eight minute song. I'm never going Not this one. This, no, this one This is
3: the precursor song. This is
2: the precursor song. Yeah, so do. I've done so I
3: have so that was like the pilot and this is like the real season this one. This is episode. the real
2: season one, right,
3: right, right. Exactly.
2: So and so there are and there are on so Media Shower actually has a couple that are that are meant for Tales for the Third Rail as well. And so um there are a few of them have been released as songs already, so um, of that of that dozen, let's say four of them are out in the world already. Mm. But it's it doesn't matter, and so I, eventually I want to collect them and have all the issues as two trade paperbacks, six issue each, and I can do a year run on a comic, releasing a month every uh, comic every month. You know, so I'm trying to connect. I'm I got this artist in Italy that's very dope that uh I was recently building with, so if that goes through and I'm able to get this next uh issue popping off by sometime in the middle of the year, if not sooner, I should have another issue, hopefully. So I've just been doing a lot of music stuff, so I kind of like, because I'm like, uh, I don't really have the popularity in either of these worlds. To sell what I want to do and do what I want to do, especially with other people's money. So I'm like, let me bump up this. I have more of a rap in music. So I'm like, let me put out these few albums, be active because I haven't been active in music. So last year, actually, I was, and it feels good, and I got a lot of accolades, and you know, played on people's shows that I hadn't been before, and you know, it's like I got the DJs playing it. The you know, it's like things are starting to come together a little
1: bit. So. Put out a little more music that's just music, you know, but we'll figure it out. We'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where are you at now with it? Are you like, I'm planning on, do you, you have a plan for the like next few years where like, okay, I'm gonna drop an album and a song that's uh got a book that goes with it? Or is it more like, um, you know, I have them both kind of the
2: plans are both running concurrently for the, for the comic and the music. The comic is a little, I mean, it's just so intense. The actual art is so intensive, but I, if you have somebody that's a pro, you, you know, you pay them their rate, but it's, it's expensive to produce rightfully so. As I just mm-hmm. gave the whole rant about how intricate and, and I'm super picky. The thing is, I know a bunch of, I've had, I could have done, I could have knocked this all out. And had people I know that are close to me do it. But you it's could not-
1: also even go online, with right. Fiverr, and get some random right, guy right, but I, to just do illustrations for you. But is it going to be the illustrations that the actually one care one about one. what you're what you're doing? And right. and are they going to are they going to make that panel that adds a layer to your story? Right, right. You, see you my, know, what? my man who did the first
2: issue yeah. did it so good. The bar is so high, high. and so. You know, my only regret with this issue, it's funny, we had a cut co- he didn't color it himself, but the the animator who animated it colored all the art and then animated it, so we had a color version. But yeah. I on uh, my super OG purist Frank Miller black and white comic kind of kick. Copy. I was like, I'm a I'ma do it all black and white, except the last panel is in color. And I only put the last panel in cover. So to produce these, I paid the same as a color comic, and to the average person off the street, they see black and white, it's less, it doesn't pop as much. I should have just put the color one out, you know? I like, personally, the black and white one more. That's why I put it out, black and white. And and just seeing the last panel in color, it's such a, like, a G move. Who does that? I gave you the whole comic in black and white, and one color panel at the end. Right. But now I'm like, mm-hmm, maybe I could have done a hybrid with like two or three color panels in there. But, I mean, I don't
3: know. like the way you're describing it in like an interview capacity, it sounds more like avant-garde or something. Um, the way that you chose to do it, right. like with the colors. Like right, yeah, exactly. Like that, that, is,
2: that is what I chose. You I, know, did, I, mean, yeah. I chose the avant-garde, artsy way that's not going to sell as much or, or be as pop or be as... As as gripping to the non-comic world people, yeah. super comic-y people will appreciate a black and white. But even even most comic fans like to read in color.
1: You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah, because I I do. You know, I'm I'm not opposed yeah. to a black and white, but like I'm definitely gonna. It, it feels a little bit. but it depends also because there's all sorts of artists that pull off black and white that it's like. Yo, it makes me feel like it should never be colored. Yeah. It's a different, it it's a be, complete thing on you, its own. But you know? yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's its own. But right. it's again, what we're talking about, which is somebody giving the care to that. And uh, the, the, uh, you know, like a, a, anybody who gives the care to that is going to give that feeling off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that it, 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 you know, uh, came out really good. Uh, yeah. everything that you were showing. I'm gonna here, give you guys kind of you guys could have
2: you know you yeah, guys. Yeah, everything you were showing here was like it looked clean. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It looked yeah. nice. So Yeah, I'm super proud of it. Oh my god. And and my man um Jay Shells, Jason Shellowitz, who's an artist who does those rap quotes. You mm-hmm. ever seen those? He mm-hmm. he designed the logo. Nice. Tales from the third rail. Nice. Um my man Tramp animated it. Tramp is the he had the first Hip hop comic strip in the original source back in the days they used to run as right right well in the source. So and he does all the merch for the Universal Hip Hop Museum now. Word. and he has his own actually. Me and him, I got a. I also have a. um, This is his company and his. He has a cartoon called Shore Shot, or and for his company, we did this hip hop coloring book, Yo, which that's I super wrote the cool, rhyme. Though. So it's like. And it's all hip-hop stuff. So it's A is for all good. A is for all that. A is for the homie in the Applejack hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Boom. And then it's just like, hey, we take you That's through awesome. each, each letter is like a hip-hop, you know, a hip-hop coloring, like, you know what I Me? mean? Yup. That is we really, got, really We got, um amazing you know, word jumbles in the middle, puzzles. It's a whole thing for kids, man. And then in the back, we even got, I think there's like a, Three or four books of stickers in the carriage. That's fucking nifty. That's yeah. So this is
3: super lit, man.
1: Nah, that is. That's super better lit. than
3: a lot of the coloring books I had as a kid. Yep. Looking
1: like. Looking I can't like believe like I, I I wrote
2: a I wrote a a uh, 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 a children's book. You know, it, with that's super
1: rabbits. dope, man. Oh you know? yeah, bro. That is... and that's not
2: just like a regular
3: that's, fucking children's book. These are, these are book. big, that's big like flexes. That's like hella engaging, bro. These
1: yeah. are big flexes. Like yeah. you
3: have you have put you have said some extremely impressive things. With a level of humility where I don't even think you're aware of how impressive you are. <laughs> well,
2: that's well, nice. Thank you, brother. I, pr- I really appreciate it. Well, you know, it's like a, a, all this is labor of love. You know what I mean? Like I, It's like I've been doing this so long. And like I said, I've been through ups and downs. I've been, A, lucky enough to travel the world. I've been everywhere from every state to Europe to South Africa. Off of People have paid me to go places and rap. And come back and, you know, I got a couple racks in my pocket from rapping. And that's a huge dream. Do I have what I really wanted to or, you know, maybe not. And maybe I got depressed because it's like, you know, but it's like it's all that all of that shit is aside, man. I do it out because it I love it. You know what I mean? And it's like I'll do whatever for money, you know, but I, I want to do what I love and I'm going to do it either way. And I'm an artistic person and I always got to have I have 10 artistic projects on the fire. And then some of them, some of them stoke for years and then, and then an opportunity. Some simmer down. And, and some simmer down and never happen, but you always, I'm always chipping away. And right, so right. They're, they're all in states
1: of sometimes like. you got to throw a new, sometimes one simmers down and you got to throw a new log
2: on. Right. Exactly. Very good metaphor. So that's the same way. So, and then to, to see them come to fruition is just when you hold it in your hand, you're like, wow, I'm a, I'm an author now. I'm a comic mm-hmm. book. This is, I, I put in a rhyme. This is. Most comics don't even go to the Library of Congress. I made sure my comic is in the Library of Congress. I have an ISBN number. So I'm an author listed in the Library of Congress. Uh-huh. Not a goal I set I never accomplished. Like, you know, it's like, it's real shit. It's like, you know, but it's, it all came that's, from just loving it. That's lightning. a
0: huge
3: flex. That's like, I'm an author, huge. but not just one of them dudes publishing on Amazon by
2: himself. Right, right, right. That's a
3: huge flex. Right.
2: Yeah, and shout out. I didn't even say the cover artist is my man Scam too. You know, who, uh, you know, he's famous from doing designing all the M and M's tattoos and doing his music with him back in the day. But he's you know an artist and and MC in his own right mm-hmm. and you know very talented dude, man. And you know, like he's not from the comic world. He Fucking crushed it, bro. like yeah. you know what I mean? It looks like, nah, it looks clean. Yeah, it super looks beautiful. clean, bro. It's looks beautiful. it's great, man. And so and he even did fly shit. Like he took my other homie, Nick's art, who did the interior art, and he put it in the reflections of the buildings, you know? Like no. just very slick, like, you know, cause I'm a i I'm such a hyper kind of perfectionist with all my art. Like if right. I do something, like from my first CD, people are like, wow, this is you did this? Like it looks I'm like, yeah, that's Because I got sick of waiting for somebody to give me a deal, give me a handout, you know? It's like, you know, and, you know, like when I was on the sidelines, it stimulated. And I make no uh, mistake about it. I deserved to be on the sidelines at that point. I was undeveloped. My man, Em's, shout out to Em's, because he really sat me down. And he was like, and I was writing like, you know, it's like I was writing 30 bar verses. He was like, bro. Sixteen or twelve, <laughs> like you know what I mean like less is more, I'm not even gonna let you record this right, and so we made some good songs we made like a couple good songs, but it wasn't it was what he taught me that I took on my own it really just you know and that right. I had to go through my own path of becoming better, but it was it was cool it was a it was a good experience, but I was like i'm not they're not gonna see my potential oh. or or <laughs> want to give me some shit, you know, and so I'm like. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I'm gonna just do it myself. But if I do it myself, I want it to be as if this is the highest budget thing you've ever seen. It's got to be just pure art, you know. It's got to. You can't. Right. Anything less takes you out of the experience. Yeah, no, you
1: gotta listen. Yeah, uh, we. It seems like we got running themes going here because yeah. that was what the conversation with uh, yeah. our last guest was, and 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 you know, it's really just uh you gotta care man you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. i like i i i was saying how like i was this morning uh watching um a video of a guy cooking breakfast for like um waffle house or some shit like that mm-hmm. and he probably and he had like a gopro probably like on his head and shit. yeah and he was just record, recording himself yo i It was like probably like a 12-minute video. It was just him fucking... We're talking about right eggs on a grill. That's an art. That's the most beautiful art there is. All these different things cooking all at the same time. Yeah. And to make it... Yo, yo, there's nothing that I love more than to watch a person who loves what they do do what they do. Yeah. Period. Across the board. Especially
3: when they explain what they care about in these little details... Then you can you understand
2: would, why they do what they do, but yeah. also
3: just like take cooking videos. Like, I don't know half the reasons why people like you know you're supposed to do things, but you don't often think about why you do the things unless you're mad passionate about cooking. Which, but like watching people on YouTube cook makes me more passionate about cooking, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 bleeds over you. Somebody's passion excites you. That's like with any art, I think cooking is a is a art. It's funny because that's a, that's one of my side projects that I never did nothing with. That I almost I almost shot um uh a, a, what do you call it? It's not even a pilot for a, for a reality show. It's seven minutes. They call it a, a short. Yeah, short or clip, whatever it is. The seven minute teaser, you know. But my homie who who's like been a producer on like Wife Swap and he does a lot of National Geographic shows. He's he's been doing reality TV for a long time and. Um, and I had a I had a food show idea that I almost shot a pilot for, which was called Graffiti. And it's me being like, I'm such a I'm a huge like foodie pothead. I love to eat and I love fly food. And I'm a total novice. I do not cook nothing. I don't even cook eggs. I eat all my food out, right? So it was gonna be the the focus of the show was me going into a fucking restaurant as an amateur having the meal that I like that's beautiful, explain kind of tripping off the art of food, because food is such a fucking ephemeral art, you know what I mean? It's served, it's hot mm-hmm. on your plate. The first bite tastes different than the last mm-hmm. bite tastes. Right. You have like three good hot bites, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them have cooled. Like it's its mm-hmm. such a, it's just so crazy and fleeting, but all art is anyway, but it's just right. like, this is just the epitome of that, yeah, right? Have like and that. functional, it's- and it's like, so I want to build with it. The, then I build with the chef about that. And at the, the hook is at the end of the show, like I got to teach, help the coach, the, 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 the chef to do like a, a painting or a piece of visual art or record a song. And he got to teach me how to make a dish, you know? Wow. So that was like the little- I would watch
3: the fuck out of that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And I also got another, uh, my other, my other thing is I eat everything. Like I don't believe in bad food, only bad chefs, you know? So it's like, if something exists as a food, I feel like somebody somewhere makes it good and i eat it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel you. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, 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 big time on like, uh, I have, I have like New York food tours that I take people on. Yeah, yeah. You know, like specific geared ones. Like you know, oh, like yeah, we're doing Italian. We're doing a whole pizza tour. We're doing right. a whole whole uh, Latin cuisine tour. Whole Caribbean. That's the blessing tour. of New York
2: City. You could go, go to, like, all bad all y- like bad countries, just like Right here, Astoria, man. bro. This block, go up 30th Avenue. Nah, Astoria's- in one block, you will have every a uh, fly restaurant from every region around the fucking world, and they're all bomb. It's like. Okay.
1: So much good food here, man. It's insane. Now, New York City is is definitely like a, a foodie capital. Yeah. The the restaurants and everything. It's all built built and geared towards that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yo. Um. I think that yeah, we, we, like, we we, we caught like, up to modern day. We're at, we're we're at the times. time where hey. we're
3: talking about right. restaurants. <laughs> right.
1: Right. No, I'm pretty sure we can keep on going for forever. But like, like let me
2: plug my let me plug yeah, what yeah, I'm no, currently absolutely. working on. Plug so, it. So last year we put out the album Devils and Drugs. Okay. Which was on Man Bites Dog Records again. And mm-hmm. that got a lot of traction. You know, it was very cool. Um, we got um on it, Swave Sever, who i mentioned before. We got Ito on it from Rochester, New Crack Era Dude. We got um my man Breeze Bruin from the Juggernauts, one of my personal favorite MCs, just such an ill writer and, and just rapper, kind of like an underground Nas. My man Napoleon the Legend, incredible MC. Also, my man AL, formerly AL Skills, one of the illest off top too, you know, just dancers, fucking OG of the culture in every sense. And, um, you know, um, it's just yeah we we and that that was that was our kind of movement last year, Um and I did some of the merch that those are actually you see over there those are some pins I that, yeah. I, that I I hand drew yeah for the, the we'll yeah, um, we'll camera we'll grab I'll grab yeah I grab
1: a little yeah. video well, of, I the, of this and right. and I'll and grab that.
2: some pictures of that so um and now I'm working on this album with my man Jit Beats who's an incredible. Very trippy producer. He got like such a unique, authentic sound. It's very avant-garde, and just he doesn't. None of his beats are locked into a time grid. They're just kind of, but they're not overly. They're they're still funky and sound like good regular music, but a but little you know in the vein of maybe like a Dilla or something. But his own thing. It's not it's not riding nobody else's wave, right? And so he's been around forever too. And he you know so and. Yeah, we just got an incredible pro, really two projects that we kind of banged out since the pandemic. I've been going to PF's crib like, you know, once or twice a week and we're just on it. So we've been recording over all these jit beats and they're incredible. So I'm starting to air those out now. We just dropped a video for On My Way and another one for this song called Sashimi that we shot in our homies raw like sushi. They got a really dope sushi party and it's kind of just like, It's this kind of like it's a sushi speakeasy,
1: so they got this fly kind of clientele. No, yeah, speakeasies are that's one of the the ways that I win over people that I want to win over. Right, like yo, let's go catch lunch Monday dinner, and then it's like meet me here, meet me here, and they're like, oh my god, what is this? Oh my god, what is this? So you gotta come secret on a Monday
2: night. Every Monday, pretty much they take once one or two off. But now, now for they took a couple off of races. Every Monday for the next foreseeable future, right there on Avenue C. It's right above the spot called New Blue, and Word. it's it's called it's called uh, Studio One Five One because it's the address. But you know, since it's a speakeasy, there's nothing on the door. It's just a door. Walk Word. upstairs, bar, all vinyl party. Always a dope DJ in there. Little fucking bar. They have sushi. My man Kamui, the sushi chef, award-winning chef. He won like best sushi chef in the city or something like a year or two ago. Like, mm-hmm. just very fire food. And it's always like little, like, you know, it's always like a celeb popping in. Anderson Pack is in there. I turn around. Right, it's right. yeah, you know, ASAP mob be rolling up on them for sushi. Kate Moss is in there. Like, right, you're right. like, what the fuck? Like, this is just like a, you know, it's like that type of like. And nobody cares. Yeah, it's New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a spot this big. And you know, it's like somebody yeah, next yeah. to me. Like, yeah,
1: excuse me. Can I
2: get, let me get some sake. Like, you yeah. know,
1: yeah.
2: No, so, like, yeah,
1: I'd be very insistent. Like, you know, my, my you know eel, who was in my, it? My eel sashimi. Right. Bro, and, and so, and like, and I really wouldn't care. Like, right, right. like, all right, that's nice that you guys are all here, but I'm here for my eel sashimi. Exactly. Bro. The sashimi. <laughs> like it's the all sa- about the sashimi. Like that's so it. we shooting the sashimi video in
2: there. And then who was in there? Um, G Easy was in there. He, he just popped up through with somebody else. Word, and we're like, word. he's in the background of the, you know, while we're shooting a, a video for me. Like, it's like, what? Why? This is crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but it's that type of spot. And so, and it's crazy because I had this song called Sashimi and they were asked, they're like, yo, you want to film? Cause I've been, my man Yoshi, we've been fucking with each other for like 10, 15 years. These are all guys from Japan. Hip hop guys from Japan yep. that came over, been here forever, and they really good homies and they're good people, yep. and they're really into hip hop yeah. and fashion and you know, all yeah. this shit that we're into. Actually, and so, and so back
1: episodes, we talk about Japan, yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, it's the theme, like you we were saying before. Normally, mostly we talk to like I would say rappers that aren't necessarily as actively pursuing visual arts, right? But when you talk to the visual arts guys. Holy shit! Does it unlock a, a whole it's bunch different. of different perspectives, right? right? Like I'm not a visual artist. I like understand design principles. I've right. done. I do,
1: projects. <laughs> I, I do. I've done projects. I can empathize with everything that you said this entire time. Right. Right. I can follow. You know what I mean? Like and, I understand. But I feel like your like your passion. kindred spirits in, in the visual. I I did a, my first album was Adventures of Super Spick. and <laughs> and it was themed around like a comic book and there's songs dedicated. There you, you know what I mean? So you're in the same to, world. I, yeah, like, I understand head. fully what it is to have this baby in your head right. that you wanna you know what I mean? And like also like uh even more recently, like the uh volume one of the Liddy Bros was like, yo, I wanted to make sure that each song had a visual. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and like that it spoke to what the overall like encompassing vision as the story is gonna be, right. and you it's were just visual like creatures, people, visual creatures. Yeah. yeah, and as, as, as artists, there's there's a lot you know that like goes into it. So yeah, yeah I can I can empathize with all of it, and
3: no, I totally like appreciate it, it. But like your passion for it, like like my best friend writes comics and stuff. Like he just drew his first one and like self pub, like not published, but like he online published. Yeah, and like it took him um, like. It took him like fifteen years. I watched him do this for fifteen years yeah. to get to the point where he self drew his first comic.
2: Right, right. Like, well, my man, my so my man who did this, he did it his own graphic novel first, and The same thing. It took him like may, maybe not fifteen, but it definitely took him the better part of a decade, probably. Like right. he was conceptualizing, getting his art to the level, and now he's like, "Oh, that's trash!" Like he just put out a new one that's way better. But like, it's like. You're always going to get better and think your old shit is trash. His, nice. old, his first one is, That's is crazy, crazy, too. Also, but it's like yeah.
3: your, your passion for it, though. Like, listening to y'all, like, even listening to you talk about the Marvel Unlimited app makes me go, you oh, know, maybe I'll peep that yeah. for a hot minute see what I think about some Marvel comics.
1: Yeah. Because
3: I don't know the last time I actually did that. I don't even know if I like comics. Like, right? I'm not necessarily into the superhero movies, but I might like comics. Right, just, right. Yo, no comics one really talks some about the, it like that.
2: Some of the raw, some of the most bizarre, sh- like fiction that I've ever read right. is in comics, and some of the most thoughtful, crazy. There's, there's like this guy Warren Ellis. You know who that is? Warren Ellis. Oh my God, read Warren, Reed, Warren, Warren Ellis. Do. He's a comic That's writer so that brilliant. he flipped a couple. He flipped like he did. What what com, What uh comic? He did Moon Knight for a while. He did, but he's more known for his other bugged out shit. So he did this shit called Transmetropolitan, which is about like a future journalist. It's basically like the Hunter S. Thompson of the future. And it's just super bizarre and just crazy, but it's all, he's very, he knows a lot about technology and space travel. And he, and there's another one called Planetary where they, it's like some, I don't Fair. Even know. It's, it's like inter, Interdimensional <laughs> yeah. X-Files, if I want like, to, to like kind of put a label to it. Try yeah, it, yeah. It's so bizarre, but Don't it's so it, intelligent. Like, it's like, and it's like I'm damn very oh, I'll tell you one of his best ones. This was one that was in the he wrote in the Bush era, and it's called Black Summer. And it's so dope because it's it's basically superheroes murdering Bush. I mean, they never say it's Bush, but it's clearly President Bush while well, he was president. And so it's like. The only in this world, the only superheroes are the Seven, and they're just all like, k- kind of like robot. They've done enhancements to make themselves ill, and they were supposed to fight corruption and in, in cities where law enforcement can't do it. And then, but mysteriously on 9/11, the president sends them out of the country. They really only stay in the country. They get sent to like France on 9/11, and then 9/11 happens, and then they get they find out that. The president and the White House help, you know, had inside knowledge in 9-11. And so the comic starts, the main dude is called John Horace. And he's his he's the most invincible one. Because his power is a bunch of cybernetic eyeballs that float around him, but they do everything for him. They make him fly, they can attack, they they like make him invincible. And so he, he comes out, they're waiting for for the president to come out from a press briefing. And then he just comes out with his white suit, like soaked in blood. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's come to my, they're like, it's John Horace, but what is he doing? They're supposed to be in Europe. Ladies and gentlemen, it's come to my attention that the president was involved in the planning of 9-11. He's like, I'm sorry I had to murder him right now, but he, he had blood on his hands. My only regret is I had to kill a bunch of secret service people too but you will have to have free elections now on pen and paper, and don't fuck with me, because I'll be back in night too. And so then it's like, <laughs> and, then whole, okay. and then the whole comic is, they, they've they been retired at this point, so it's like all the old crew has to come back and just and to take him out, because they're like, yeah. he's wilding, you know what I mean? Yeah. But nobody's as powerful as him, so it's like, from there. But it's like, the whole shit, the satirical angle right. of just like, he comes out having murdered Bush, it's just like, and in that era, it was, like, reading it, I was like, oh, shit, how'd they do this? Like,
1: you wouldn't see that in no fiction anywhere. Like... No, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not back then either. Yeah, 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 Things were a lot more buttoned up. Right. Nah, but I hear what
3: you're saying. Yeah. You have... Like I said, y'all talking about it, this passionately makes me go, what the... It's the FOMO shit. Like, what am I missing?
2: Right, right. Like, there's stuff. Know. There's stuff to read that's not super... Like, I would... I don't even like I said I don't focus on superhero kind. Right. It's rare for me to read a suit. I do it as a throwback or there's certain superhero. I, I check for the writer more. So some of the writers do write superhero shit too, but I like a good writer will write a good story, and that's right. period. You
3: know. Nah, fair enough. And I appreciate your insight, man. I think this was a great conversation, and we like thank you guys covered nah, a lot of you. stuff.
1: Thank and you so much for giving us your time. We yeah, appreciate it so much.
3: You, know, you taught us a lot about your perspectives on life and it was super interesting. Yeah. Um what's your website where people can go and get the uh, comic and support you?
2: Double dot com. It's very easy. D-O-U-B-L-E-A-B dot com.
3: And it'll be linked below, but that was for the audio of people. Yeah. <laughs> but right. um yeah, just uh you can check it there. You can peep the whole comic as a PDF. It downloads, it's pretty easy to access. The the music's there. And it's a good pipeline to get to the rest of his information, and you know, follow the man. Yep, hit
1: Thanks. me up. And like, yo, I'm really happy with this. I think, uh, yeah, I learned a lot. Yo, this was incredible. Again, thank you so much for giving us yeah. the time. Very in depth. This was like it. a
2: fucking another, uh yeah, like a, another level of interview that I that I you know typically do. So it's very, Super. it's dope. Thank it's you. very, very. Uh, no, nah, I'm glad. It's you get it. You're actually what you're doing is building and getting the essence of a human, you know, like
1: yeah, yo, like that, trying is, to
3: get your perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, like, I'm that. This yeah. is like the shit that I wanna, you know, like yeah. that. That's what I wanna do. We need our stories told. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. some, like I, I, think that right, like that feeling that you might have had is like from also maybe a lack of appreciation, and it's Bruh. like, yo, there, there can be more appreciation. It's just. Yeah, we create the world that we want.
3: Right, you know what I mean. Like if you think about that movie pitch idea, bro, you were talking about some super action movie shots. You pressed against the wall with trains coming like
2: this. Right, right. Like you were, you were dropping some compelling shit. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I got, you know, I got death to find stories after that, too. So that's on part two. <laughs> yeah. So yo, thank nah, you all. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you guys. Hell yeah. So. Um, thank you all. Thank you to everybody Watching us internet, in the future. Watching it and in the whatnot, future. Yes.
3: we're used to doing this live. This is my future. I'll stop saying that soon. Um, but make sure to like, subscribe, comment. All that stuff's help. And if y'all want to support a little fiscally, Patreon.com slash perspective spelled like the channel below. P R S P C T V S. Yes, that's how it's spelled. Um I don't know what's there yet, but by the time this is live, you'll see perks and stuff. So, yeah, we would appreciate you. Or something. Subscribe. Anyway, typical yeah. Patreon stuff that will be defined in the future. And we appreciate y'all for real. And it means the world that y'all come through, watch, and like engage with us and It makes it like a bigger experience. So thank you for that. Right. And on
0: that note, it was a great time. Live long and prosper everywhere.